More mullets than an Alabama Walmart. More pandering than an Alabama political rally. More casual racism than an Alabama household. Holy shit. I just realized how much WWF in the 1990s is a lot like Alabama. It's in your house too. This week on Nothing Good. Well, gentlemen, we are here for another episode. Uh, Mr. Brown, Jeff, Mac, welcome to In Your House 2. Uh, we're talking 1995, all things WWF. Uh, before we get started, how are you gents doing this fine day? Bright and early today, boys. Bright and early today. I'll say that, you know, um, doing doing good. You know, I, I was thinking because this, this seems to be kind of a theme in, of the late 80s, early 90s. We should just have a subtitle of the podcast, Nothing Good, dot, 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 a review of casual racism of the 80s and 90s. <laughs> yeah, so much of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so true. much of it. <laughs> I, I think I think like one third of our podcast episodes could probably fall under that category. <laughs> it seems to come up often. It's one of those things. I, I wasn't prepared for the level of the level, excuse me, it's early of subtle racism. And I was doing some math. And if you remove Jerry, the King Lawler from the show or about the re to review, there's still some, but it's not as in your face or as one would say in your house. That, oh, that that I, I feel like that probably is going to be a subtext of the Vince McMahon biography when he dies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what, you, what you just said. You know, it's really there's, funny. There's some racism. It's just not on the surface. No, no, it's just all right there. Just just what it's, it's like phyllo dough, right? You know, just really thin layers covering it up, right? It's like Spanish. Just equate covers. racism to food. Yes, to Greek food specifically, yeah. which also is, is really apt. Shout out to our listeners in the Greek country of Greece. Oh, <laughs> As uh, now, to... What's up? So uh, speaking of shout outs, before yes. you go down a rabbit hole of whatever you were about to do, <laughs> um, I just want to stop you there and, and, and give a special shout out to the, the gentleman who requested this episode, yeah. uh, a friend of the show, Nick. Uh, your last name I will not pronounce because I will butcher it, but you know who you are. This episode's for you. He reached out to us and said, hey, man, I love what you guys are doing. I would love it if you reviewed this pay-per-view. We're down with that. So yeah. uh, shout out to Nick for that. We appreciate you. Hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you're not Greek. I mean, if you are sweet, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't making fun of Greek people. Uh, I hope not yet. <laughs> but the, but the night is long and full of terrors. But Nick, yeah, thank you. We'll get there. Thank you so much for yeah. It's a it's a big thing for us because uh, somebody that none of us knew that obviously listens to the show reached out and asked us to review this wrestling show, and I mean fuck yes. So Nick, this is for you, and everything that happens from this point forward is your fault, and you are liable <laughs> in a court of law. I just want you to know that. Oh no. Uh, so uh, so listen, I'm I figured uh, inside baseball. For the fun people listening, uh, this is the earliest in the day we've ever recorded this show. 
so I guess the next question is going to be A, moot, and B, boring. But I got to ask, what's everybody drinking on this fine Saturday? Can we let Jeff go first? Because I don't know if Jeff <laughs> has stopped drinking from from, <laughs> from last night. Uh, sure, I'll go first. So I'm double fisting in the morning, as you do. Uh, in one hand, I have a cup of coffee hmm. that may or may not be half filled with Bailey's. And in the other hand, I have a beer because <laughs> why not? So I am drinking. It's called King's Gold. It's a Pilsner from Iron Hill Brewing out in Eastern PA. Something light. Just get the day started. It's just very nice. Very, very tasty. Double day drinking early in the morning. Way to go. You can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. That's right. That's true. That's a beautiful statement. Uh, I'm uh, Uh, I'm drinking a uh, venti iced Americano with blonde espresso from Starbucks. uh, As it is, it is very early and I have things to do. Whenever eight hours from now, when we stop recording, do you want some of this for it? I mean, that would be great. Uh, if, if our listeners, keen listeners to the show, will know that I did what I call the NAFTA the last time I had coffee on the show, which was to take an Americano and I put a shot of tequila in it. Um, <clears throat> that was a hell of a day. That was a hell of a day. Uh, and my wife, if she could have fucking hit the mute button on me as soon as I got done recording the podcast, she would have. But uh, so we're, we'll, we'll see if the tequila, I have the tequila next to me. So we'll see how excited I get about Harry the King Lawler and his fucking babbling <laughs> as we get going on. Mac, what are you drinking? Well, you know, uh, I got a long day of drinking ahead of me. So, you know, why wait? Uh, and I'm not even fucking around. So we got some uh, some raspberry Bacardi in here. We got some uh, some cola and we're just kind of uh, we're just going hard. So, yeah, um, for whatever reason, my my body's like, you know, Dave, might be just a little early in the morning to start drinking some beer. And then my mind goes, yeah, but it's not too early to start drinking booze. <laughs> so that's where we are today, boys. Now, the last time I did this, I tore the fuck into your brother, Drew. So we're going to see where this goes. <laughs> we oh. could call him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call into the show. He's not doing uh, it. Right Doc. So I am uh, not drinking coffee. This is my day off. Uh, and I am in fact supposed to be here today. Uh, so I am drinking uh, a friend of the show, actually, brewed some mead uh, from his, uh, his his brewery. His, his meadery is called Land Viking Meadery. Uh, our buddy Chris Lindemann uh, stopped by some time ago and dropped off a couple of bottles. Uh, it's got some uh, blackberry flower honey notes. Uh, it's very tasty. Highly recommend. Wait a minute. That fucking thing looks like it's glowing. It's because it is. <laughs> it looks like that if you poured some on the ground and some some young turtles were to crawl through it, that eventually we'd get a uh, casual racism presented by a guy who lives in a van. Like, I, I, I would I would like to take that a step further, Noah. That looks like the blood from the aliens in oh, Alien. Yeah. Like Chris, like Chris caught one, slit its throat. <laughs> Hung it upside down, drained it, put some honey and hops in there, and now we have a beverage. <laughs> well, it is good. Oh, so good. Share with that. Shout out to Lindy. Just, just don't drop what? it on the floor, Jones. Your uh, your neighbors below you would not be yeah, happy. You'll never get that deposit back. True. No. And also, right. if you go blind in the middle of this episode, I'm, <laughs> you'll know you why. Can't see, it's not your video feed is cut out. It's we'll know why. <laughs> it's me. 
I'm cut out. Well, let's uh, let's set the, the stage. And now I got to do my unnecessarily detailed setup for the person who who probably made the wise decision and didn't watch this uh, episode ahead of of ahead of us uh, promoting it. So it is mid nineteen ninety five, the summer July of nineteen ninety five in the world of wrestling. So here's here's a backstory. It's a weird time, right? So WCW is a thing. WWF's a thing. On the WCW side, um, we're about three months away from the debut of Monday Nitro, less than three months away, which is going to change everything. Um, as we'll see on the show, Lex Luger, the big kicking off jump point, uh, fuck him, as I'll say multiple times, <laughs> uh, has not jumped ship yet, but the Macho Man Randy Savage has left for WCW. Uh, Eric Bischoff is ramping up his end, and in exactly one year from the date of the show, the NWO will debut at Bash to the Be- Bash of the Beach, uh, 1996. So, also, but one of the real things to pay attention to that's going on with WCW at this time is Bischoff has begun monthly wrestling pay per views, which was unheard of at this time. Vince was only doing four to five a year, and Bischoff said, "Well, fuck that! I got the money. I have unlimited money, essentially." So he started running even shittier pay per views every single month. So on the WWF side, things are starting to look shaky. They're no longer the main thing in town with national exposure. Everyone knows WCW is coming for them. Ratings are down, and they have been down for a while. And right now in July 95, we're in the mid to late diesel era. Um, WrestleMania 11 is in the rearview mirror, and it did not produce in any viable way that Vince would want it, despite the fact that there was tons of heavy press for Lawrence Taylor wrestling Bam Bam Bigelow in the main event. So right now, they are trying some shit. And SummerSlam's on the horizon, which, as everyone knows, at this time, they treated it as their second biggest show. So what's happening with our top stars and storylines? Well, in the main event of WrestleMania, Diesel retained the WWF Championship against Shawn Michaels, who had brought in Psycho Sid as his new heater. Uh, the next night, Sid turns on Shawn and begins his feud with Diesel. I'll get into the complicated uh, nature of that when we get to that fucking match. But the mm. Sid Angle turns Shawn Michaels' babyface, and it starts his road to being the next big thing. Or rather, should I say that it starts Vince McMahon fucking jacking off to every concept of Shawn Michaels, and it will <laughs> not stop from this point forward for the rest of his goddamn life. Now, Sean has essentially hit the reset button to become as more edgy, controversial, let his mullet grow even more profound. Uh, I some would say controversial. I'd say strung out. It was so it was so powerful, though. Such a powerful wet mullet. Like, I I forget what Shawn Michaels without a bald spot looked like. (laughs) It was was a mullety lion's mane. It was very Simba of him. Um, But he's a baby face and he had his uh, his sights set on the Intercontinental title, currently held by Double J, Jeff Jarrett. For his part, has been doing this country music gimmick that he's probably best known for, uh, with his new sidekick, the roadie, a.k.a. Brian James, a.k.a. the future road dog. And they've been pushing this new single, With My Baby Tonight. And tonight at In Your House, we're finally set to get a live performance, air quotes, uh, before he defends the Intercontinental title. And... A lot going on in that regard. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. all of this is set to take place at In Your House. It's a relatively new pay-per-view concept for Vince McMahon at this point, doing shorter 
cheaper price pay-per-views in between his established big five as a way to counter the new trend by Eric Bischoff of doing monthly shows. Tonight's show follows last month's King of the Ring 1995, where of all fucking people, Mabel has been crowned the King of the Ring and will face off the winner of tonight's main event for the WWF Championship in the main event of SummerSlam next month, which will take place in Pittsburgh, if anyone remembers that goddamn show. Do you do you remember when Pittsburgh used to get like mid to upper tier pay per views? We ruined before, that before we yeah. ruined that. Oh, we ruined that in twenty four. Ruined it hard. I can't yeah. wait to review that show. But Vince <laughs> is banking on the success of this concept, right? Because with the clean, declining ratings, uh, we're still fresh off the steroid controversy, and he is hemorrhaging all of his established stars to WCW, and that wouldn't stop anytime soon. Uh, to the open checkbook that is Ted Turner. You know all of these things he needs to be a success, but do you know who's not on this show? The WWF's most internationally lucrative star, Brett the Hitman fucking Hart. Because in an effort to keep the shine on his top babyface Diesel and his new jack-off objection, uh, obsession objective, Shawn Michaels, <laughs> Vince has decided to just not fucking use Bret Hart except to wrestle in the mid-card. And he ain't wrestling in the mid-card on this show. So Bret Hart, a.k.a. the greatest fucking wrestler of this generation and probably of all time, is not to be found on this show. He wrestles in a dark match after yeah, yeah, against, yeah. against fucking PCO, Jean-Pierre Lafitte. <laughs> but it's not on this show, so I still get to be fucking pissed off about it. So fuck you for that one. And here we are in Nashville, of all goddamn places, in the summer of 1995. You'd think they would have kept the cameras rolling on that match and then, you know, sometime just added it later. Because, you, you know, but yeah, you know, you figure for the network, they'd have the cameras going for some of those dark matches and give the people more because that's what, you know, these streaming services all are now is just what content can you feed me? So let's go it ahead and, and add that. But they didn't. It they is didn't even the, give it. It is. Uh, not not on wait not no what it's, it's no it's not a part of this show it's oh, a but part it's on of the, the Coliseum videos yeah it's I believe, on the video right. I believe the Bret Hart Jean Pierre Lafitte is on the Invasion of the Body Slammers collection and then the main event that the live crowd got which was probably good for them poor for us was a casket match between the yep. Undertaker and Kama which also appeared on Coliseum video. Uh, this Inva is invasion of the body slammers sounds like one of the porns you wish you didn't find in your brother's <laughs> collection. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh man, which one am I gonna watch today? Invasion of the body slammers or gaping assholes three? The toss up, really? Yeah, but both at the same time. If you have two VHS players, right? You it just gotta make sure you put it back in the same spot, or he'll know. I mean, it depends on it depends on the position of the asshole and what you're putting into it. Mm, mm. <laughs> I don't know why it's got a vision of spackling drywall on someone's on someone's asshole, but maybe it's because I'm in home renovation mode on this fine day. Did so, you say putting or pudding? No, putting. Like you okay, know, huh. yeah. Oh, just making sure. <laughs> yeah, I heard what I thought I heard. Yeah, it's 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 the nineteenth hole of mini golf you weren't expecting. Oh my God! If there isn't a golf themed porn parody that's called the Nineteenth Hole, there fucking needs to be. Oh my God! You know what? For any aspiring porn producers, reach out to us. We're interested in producing the Nineteenth <laughs> Hole. I bet you can actually get the real John Daly to be in it too. Yeah. <laughs> Who is referenced in this pay per view? He was. That's the only reason he's fresh on my mind. He's like one of four golfers I know about. All of which, by the way, have some sort of domestic violence issue with, associated with them. So who would have thought 
It's the pants. It's the pants. You guys ready to talk about this goddamn thing? Yeah, let's get into it. (laughs) Let's fucking get into it. Okay. So the show intro kicks off with the the new generation intro. And for a moment, and for a brief moment, I was like, oh, my God. I fucking miss the mid-90s WWF. The World Wrestling Federation. And then what the fuck happens? And immediately, it just goes right into a country guitar and a shot of a pickup. Oh, man. It's terrible. It did not age well. It did not it's feel so good. I, I for, totally forgot about that song. And I just like had a flood of memories of being 12 years old. Like this, this is not good now. Mm-mm. I don't think it was good then. There is a shot in that intro that I want us to recreate when we put this podcast out there of three people and a cowboy haberdashery just pointing at the, at the camera, all wearing like white suits, <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, let's, let's do that. To promote the episode, yeah, it's uh, but it's immediately this this video seeks to show tell you three things. One, if you weren't fucking aware, if you're just a regular person who decided to order a wrestling pay per view, unfortunately, this summer, that this show takes place in the south, like in the most south you can get without a banjo being involved, but that comes later. It was Two. so south. I thought it was a WCW show. It's right. It literally is. It's it, it comes off like a WCW show with all the presentation too. That I'm sure that our listeners in the south can attest that this is Vince McMahon's like vision of the south. Just a bunch of people with cowboy hats and mustaches pointing at each other. Like that's <laughs> that's what he imagined life in Nashville was like. And three, this is all about Shawn Michaels, just like every other fucking thing on this show. Because as soon as the sh- the thing gets started, it's a pickup truck, it's a guy playing a guitar, and then Shawn Michaels without a shirt gyrating. And then the next clip is Shawn Michaels gyrating. And then someone body slams somebody, and in the background, fucking Shawn Michaels is gyrating. <laughs> he, all, he loves the country uh, music. It's, it's Can he say? Yeah. 60 seconds into this goddamn thing, and I'm already tired of Shawn Michaels. But we'll get or Vince's opinion of Shawn Michaels, rather. Yes. But the last um, thing I want to So we open the show. Oh, please. No, I just wanted to say the last thing about this goddamn intro is did you guys notice the in your house graphic that happens right at the end of this? That, that and I've never noticed this before. And of all the fucking wrestling I've ever watched in my life, this bothers me. Is that they have the in your house graphic where it knocks on the door. And nobody answers. So the fucking in your house graphic slips in through the window like a fucking prowler. Uh, what is it planning to do with the people in that home? I actually I think, think, think we know the answer to that. I, I, th- I actually think we saw that in a uh, Randy Orton, uh, Chris Jericho feud, um, like down the road, you know. Doesn't that happen in every Randy Orton feud? Eventually, he invades somebody's home, or somebody invades his home. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's his kink: home invasion. <laughs> All right, Doc. What happens after this video? Uh, well, uh, as the title goes, nothing good because we have a bargain bin Jerry Lawler, good old Jr. impersonation mm-hmm. that god awful hat he had on his head. Oh, uh, but more importantly, do I miss face Vince McMahon so badly? His just god awful. <laughs> I just that I missed that Vince McMahon. I forgot how much I missed that Vince McMahon. Um, yeah, this was get, pre, this was pre Mister McMahon. Yeah, yep. it, it, it before was that character cool. came about. It, it was nice to see the smiling, really corny joke, that joke Vince McMahon, who just rooted for all the good guys, no matter how stupid it was. 
Uh, it was, it was nice. Blatantly too. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, there are parts of this that we're, we're going to get into that I, I really did miss. Uh, that this particular style of presentation, and he was so amped. Vince was definitely the most amped person on this pay per view, and babyface Vince's vocabulary is ridiculous. It's the indelible, in unbreakable, irresistible Sean Michaels, and it's like, but oh, damn, Vince, put the fucking thesaurus down and call the match. I, I just, I just love the idea of Vince in the back of his car as he's being driven between cities with flashcards <laughs> just trying to properly learn how to use these words in a sentence <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, and Vince McMahon uh, dressing again pandering here Vince McMahon uh, who probably had to look himself in a mirror and convince himself to wear what he had to wear to wear the fucking outfit with no shoulder pads in it uh, fucking incredible he's, he's definitely worn that for Linda at least a few times, either before or since. Oh man! Walks walks into the bedroom. <laughs> Big power walking Vince. Power walking Vince, just Big walking right in. Vince. Yeah, and you mentioned it, Noah, in the in the intro video. Like it was that whole opening package was sort of his envisioning of what it's like in the South, mm -hmm. and it's all like the most stereotypical things you would think when you think about country music. Yep. And and all of the staff was wearing those stupid bolo ties and the vests and meanwhile you look around the crowd the people who are actually from nashville and nobody is wearing anything even no remotely similar to that there there were i i saw at least two different people wearing pittsburgh penguin gear which which threw me off because i didn't even well, I didn't know Nashville even knew about sports in the mid 90s <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you had the uh the uh, no, yeah, no, for sure. No, they had college yeah. football, right? You, 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 like. you barely had the, the, the Tennessee Titans, I think, at that point. That's even, I think, still pre them. Yeah, I think it's still Houston Oilers, Oilers were still. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, and like most of the people, but I did like this because as you look through the crowd, and, and I got a lot of thoughts on the crowd <laughs> on the show, <laughs> just, just to it's point peak, out. Peak 90s crowd. Oh, so but good. like th there's so much starter gear in the audience, like not mm. bad starter gear, good starter gear. It, it it definitely took me back to that mid '90s time when uh, when what you were gonna wear to a sporting event was much simpler and probably a lot cheaper. But um, yeah, but yeah, the, I, 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 an interesting crowd for this for this show too. Yeah, you know, uh, it's one of those types of types of things. Vince McMahon has always been known for being really strange with referencing where your show is. He's either going to refuse to acknowledge the town that they're in, or he's going to not shut the fuck up about where they are. You know, so <laughs> he, he won't tell you that they're in Poughkeepsie. But if you're in uh, New York or Boston, or in this case, Nashville or in Calgary, uh, you're going to get every fucking gratuitous reference to it. Uh, it's it's absurd a little bit in that regard, but these people just wanted to come see a wrestling pay per view, and Vince McMahon is like in their fucking face, telling I'm like, no, god damn it, this is about you. You love this, but you hate the one person who's from here. Fuck I, you. <laughs> I I went ahead at the beginning of this pay per view, and I set a limit to how long it would take before the Grand Old Opry was going to mm -hmm. be referenced in this pay per view. <laughs> I had it at over under three and a half minutes. Fucking 30 seconds. Right in. No time. Yeah. Wasted no time. No, they that because that's the what that's the thing, right? What's what's going on in Nashville? Uh food, the grand old opry, music. That's it. There's a uh, there's Beale Street. I don't even know. I don't even know if that's, that's I think that's Memphis. Take that back. <laughs> See? Like I don't even know. It's fucking Tennessee. Uh but we do 
what I, I do love, what I do miss about this era um, is the opening the show by standing next to the ring with the lights going on. Because it doesn't, it feels real. It feels so real that they forgot to turn the lights on, so you could see everyone's face in the intro uh, conversation. So they're down, and Vince is doing his his whole thing, and Jerry Lawler is waiting to get his shtick in. Um, and I love it's one of those types of things because I love when a, a a show starts and you hear the music and then the bell rings. It's one of those little subtle, awesome feels of wrestling. But the fact that they're in the middle of their thing, and then we get the one, two, three kids theme song, which is just, it's a whole thing. It's just incredible. It's incredible. Makes me forget that the pay-per-view was breaking into my house to molest me at the end of the video. But our opening match is the one, two, three kid going against the roadie in our show opener DX three years ahead of, ahead of its time. Yeah. How about that? God, there's so much DX in this pay-per-view. So much. So much. So much. Oh my God. It's this, this show is basically DX, the NWO and various combinations of each other, just running around, not really caring that they're on pay-per-view. You know, it was one of the, it was one of the notes that I had about this pay-per-view is that it really almost felt like we were in a test kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, like shit's changing. We need to change with it. What do we do? You know, and you see so much. Here's what we're going to try. We're going to see what works. We're going to see what doesn't. And we're going to keep moving forward. Like that, that's what a lot of this felt like to me, because, you know, when you know what comes after, you know, you can see seeds of it very early on kind of being planted here. Um, and, and, and that kind of goes with the with the video stuff, because there wasn't any. And that was one of the things that I'd kind of forgotten about is that you didn't have those video, those video, you know, vignettes leading up to, it, except for the final match. You know, they did mm-hmm. put one together for, for the last match of the night. Um, but, but like, I, I, you can't even watch a, a WWE pay-per-view right now without watching an hour of video vignettes mm-hmm. of like introducing you to what this whole match is all about. So, um, but yeah, we got little, we got little DX here, you know, three years early coming in. Uh, Jafar, what do you think of this match? I thought it was pretty solid as an opening match. I mean, one thing that stood out to me is how young Sean Waltman looked, but how Rhodey looks exactly the same as he did (laughs) (laughs) all these years later. Uh, I mean, one, two, three kid did not age well. Maybe it was all the cocaine. Who knows? There's a lot of stuff that happened. (laughs) Hopefully it's not happening anymore, but it was a couple of decades there. Yeah, right. but it Have seems you seen like what he looks like by any chance. Yeah, kid. Yeah, he's looking better great. now. Yeah, he's looking better now. Like great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's it seemed like they were trying to put the roadie over, and maybe it was because it was Nashville and what was coming with the big double J performance and whatnot. But I think overall it was a solid start in terms of in ring action. Yeah, Doc, what do you think of this match? Uh, first of all, them billing uh, Sean Wilton as 212 pounds is fucking suspect. I, I didn't believe he was that heavy. <laughs> Not bad, right. yeah. I, I, I heard that I went, let me run that back. 212, huh? Okay. Um, oh, the match was great. I mean, listen, uh, Brian James, Brian Armstrong, you know, he's incre- he's a capable performer, so is Sean Wilton. Uh, You know, shout out to all the different podcasts I listen to, you know, the the general consensus about people who are in the business is that Sean Walton was the measuring stick 
uh, yeah. for Vince McMahon. He put him with whoever, and if Sean came back from the curtain and said, this guy's good, then you were good. So, you know, being in a match, an, an opener with Sean Walton's not a bad thing. Uh, uh, I think that it's funny that if you'd have told me when I was 12 years old that the roadie who I, I hated, obviously, would become one of the most popular wrestlers in history of professional wrestling, I, I would never yeah. believe that. Never in a million years. Um, I thought it was really cool. I mean, I forgot how... Uh, how, how there's a lot of matches, a lot of wrestlers. I forgot they were as good as they were, considering their deficits. But Sean Waltman, I have over the last couple of years have, have gained a greater appreciation watching older matches of his because it's really fucking good yeah. at what he did. Uh, so yeah, it was solid, man. I enjoyed it. You know, and the, the Double J cutaways are really good. I got to get out of those. You know, as very WWF mid '90s stuff. You know. Um, that was solid. I, I, if I had to give it a star, I'd give it. I'd give it a three stars. Yeah, him feathering his mullet uh, in between yes. just kind of reinforced the heel. It's just fucking wonderful. Mac, what did yeah. you think about our opener? Well, you know, gentlemen, uh, I don't know if I have mentioned it on this podcast or not before, but I will go ahead and take the time to mention it now. Um, one of the very first. So, I, my my experience with wrestling is not as consistent as yours and Jones's is. I've always kind of been. I watched for a few years and then maybe I would take a few years off. Then I pick it up again. So going back to some of these pay-per-views and some of these things we've been talking about on the podcast are going back to the time that I wasn't really paying attention to wrestling. So when I did start paying attention to wrestling again, one of the first things that I marked for big time were the new age outlaws. Mm -hmm. So seeing roadie, you know, in the infancy of him being groomed and him being with the, with uh, with Jeff Jarrett and everything, um, I thought it was a solid match. Um, I really, I really enjoyed, and in, in, in from this pay per view, you know, the storytelling aspect that a lot of these matches did have, which is mm-hmm. something that we don't quite see today. Um, it's a, it was a little bit of a slower pace. There was, you know, a lot more attention to smaller moves and, you know, we're not, we're not spotting all over the place. Although the one, you know, one of the big spots they did do, I was, I was very concerned for, uh, for Sean Waltman because I thought he was going to die when Rhodey almost, you know, pile drove him, you know, from the second rope at the end of the match. Mm. Um, That did not look good to me. I don't know how, how that was supposed to look from that, but Okay. Um, I, de- I definitely cringed a little bit. I'm like, okay, just get up. All right. <laughs> just make sure that that happened again later on in the pay-per-view too, when in other spots where I just went, Ooh, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. it didn't look that great. Um, I thought it was a very good match. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, again, you know, Sean, you know, one, two, three kid Xbox, you know, um, six, whatever incarnation he's been. Um, he always kind of came across to me, especially when he was factioning as being like that little dog from like the Looney Tunes cartoons. that was always <laughs> with Spike. Yeah. And he's like, come on, Spike, let's go. Spike, come on, Spike, we can do the Spike. Oh, Spike, you know? Um, <laughs> so, you know, you kind of, I, I kind of forget a little bit about him as the one, two, three kid and, and um, just how solid a wrestler he was, you know, before, Mm-hmm. <laughs> before the 20 years that kind of came uh, with the rise of, uh, of the faction popularity that he was with. So uh solid match, really enjoyed it. Uh, I would give it probably about 2.5 out 
uh, stars out of five there. Um, really liked Rhodey's charisma coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that's one of the things about, you know, as I know him, the road dog, Jesse James, is that he's just, he's such a great personality. He's so good on the mic. He's so good playing the crowd. And, uh, you know, you even see it here. You can see that he has it, you know, in this match. For sure. For sure. I loved uh, the pacing in the match. Super, always been a huge of a Sean Waltman fan. And whenever you turn on a pay-per-view and you kind of forget that he's there and he comes out, you're like, ah, he's going to fucking work with somebody. Mm -hmm. And I thought the match was great and uh, the crowd was hot for it. Considering that they had kind of just started to stale on the kid at this point and Rhodey, they didn't know. A lot of heat, a lot of great stuff. And I had this match at three solid stars until, here I go on a rant, the stupid fucking dangerous spot of a finish. Like, mm-hmm. absolutely fucking ridiculous. If you did that today and it looked like that today, you'd be fucking fired. He didn't protect X-Pac on the way down. This guy has a history of neck problems. I fucking wonder why. Right, like if I could drop them on with an unsafe, unprotected bump for both guys, that lead to a stupid fucking finish that falls flat because everyone's worried. Oh my god, this little 125 pound kid is dead, and it didn't even look good dead. It looked like like no, like not not fun at all. <clears throat> so I had it higher, but my final rating on this match: great, solid opener until the stupid fucking end. I rated it two stupid fucking spots out of five, and that's my final. Shit. Now we go on. Yes, Doc. I just, I got such a, it's not funny. It was, it, it's kind of funny now. Like, I was like, you, like, I saw the power drive and I'm like, oh no. Like, I'm sure millions of fucking people have, you know, and you know, he, into the end, he's fine because obviously this is 1995, but I got such a kick out of this man drops the dude on his fucking head off the top rope, gets a clean finish, and proceeds to do a fucking mic check. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, right to the stage. I'm like, Check that's one. fucking, that's commitment, man. <laughs> like, I, I, was, I just appreciated how silly that actually was. They, was they, they still on. They showed yeah. a replay of the shitty pile driver, and then they move right on. They shouldn't have to the to the subplot of this whole show, which is Jeff Jarrett's performance. Which I had really so, forgotten wait. how much this same show was about just that goddamn segment. I have a question before we go forward about what we're going to end up talking about. Uh, I know. I'm sure. Noah, you do. Jeff, Mac, how familiar are you are are you guys with uh, this pay per view and the infamy of Jeff Jarrett? Not really. Uh, I mean, I've I've okay. seen a number of in your house pay per views over the years, and I was in a similar boat as Dave. Like I, I came in and out of wrestling over the years. Okay. Um, Jeff Jarrett, I've never really liked. Uh, <laughs> well, he did his job well. Yeah. So uh, he played so the part. I don't well. know. No, I, do you want to wait until we get to the match? To yeah, get let's the wait there. I think I know. It's, it's kind of a big fucking deal. I actually. think I think I know where you're going with this. I think you probably so, do. Um, I also, when we get to that, I do have a, a little interesting Jeff Jarrett story, a little personal experience I had with Jeff Jarrett that we'll we'll kind of talk about there. Um, so, but. Um, but yeah, so I think I know where you're going with this one, Jeff. When we get to these to to the to the match, we'll talk about it. But we you know we have a lot of time to talk about Jeff Jarrett because considering one hour of this two hour pay per view is dedicated to Jeff Jarrett, um, we'll have lots of time. 
but we'll get there. We'll get there. Moving on, <clears throat> we have what I have labeled in my notes as the tale of two promos following this. So we cut <laughs> backstage after the mic check to Ted DiBiase in the heels. And Ted DiBiase is fucking money. No pun intended. Actually, all pun intended. Fuck it. I'll there you go. Million dollar corporation. <laughs> and they're there. And every single person in this promo fucking nails it. Even Kama nails it. Tatanka nails it. Ted DiBiase hypes it up. All the heels are all like foaming at the fucking mouth for the opportunity. Tatanka cuts a great promo. Kama cuts a great promo. And Sid, for whenever he decides to be motivated, fucking comes off like a terrifying motherfucker. And they absolutely nail this backstage promo to get the heels. Mac? So uh, what I would love to... So have you guys know, like, when you get those 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 big plastic igloo coolers you know and like they have the white lid and it's this weird like texture to the lid of the igloo cooler you know it's not it's not smooth it's really like rippled and there's a lot of texture going on there when they zoomed on Sid's face, that's all I could think about. <laughs> wow. Was, was, I wasn't sure where that was going. That's was, I knew there was I. Was, I'm pleasantly was, surprised. What the fuck was going on with Sid's face? <laughs> the close-up did not do him any, no. any good at all. No, my I'm man. Like, I'm like, it's because I'm like, it's not quite like a catcher's mitt. It's something way worse. It, it, as, as I'm picturing it in my head now, I don't know if you guys remember, speaking of we're in the mid-90s, but the mid-90s toy Squand, that was neither sand nor yeah. squishy. Squand. He looks like Squand. Yeah, I remember that. Was it called Squand? Maybe. I think. I feel it, like it wasn't called Squand. I thought I you just made that name up. I, it, yeah. could be. it could be. It, it, it could be. Uh, it I could like be. You just made that shit up entirely. It, but, it, I, but it did exist, yes. It did, that, that whole, it's, it's kind of a deal. Gwand. That sounds like a failed 90s gimmick name. <laughs> now, the newest member of the Million Dollar Corporation, Squand. Squand. You, you, oh, could, you could overlay that with like a Nickelodeon <laughs> gag commercial and it would make just as much sense. Oh. I will 100% wear a Squanch t-shirt if you All right. make if it. It's not, if, if, if I'm wrong and that's not the real thing, then that's going to be a new t-shirt coming to you uh, okay. at the Nothing Good merch site. But tail two promo. So we have the heels. Everyone shows up to do business for the heel side because that's what they do. And then we cut backstage to the baby faces with some guy named Barry who, listen, I don't know this Barry person from Adam, but I pre- I immediately wanted to kick Barry's ass. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, I'm sitting there with like uh, a bowl of pretzels in my hand going, I want to fucking fight Barry. I don't know. He has, just starts hawking t-shirts. Well, I, I think I'll they actually... Well, I actually think that's what happened is that they realized they were doing this segment and only had one person to do it. So they went to the merch table and said, which which one of you do I want to punch in the face the least? I know, Barry. Barry. Put the fucking Put shirt on. Put the shirt on. And Give get Barry the, the stick and let him sell these t-shirts. So we cut back to the baby faces who are all, what I presume is that there's some unwedding rat behind, just behind Barry that they're all yelling at. That or they're playing dice because they're all in a circle, <laughs> a suspicious circle yelling downward at each other. And Barry's like, fucking... <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. And then mid-90s. Uh, oh, some bizarre God. circle jerk. There's a circle jerk going on there. I want... <laughs> 
Who is in the middle of that? Where was Sonny? That's all I'm asking. I'm going to ask the question. Who is in the middle of that (laughs) with the bowl, and why was it Bart Gunn? That's what I want (laughs) to Uh, yeah, he's gonna brawl for all on that. But they're plugging a T-shirt, <laughs> and fucking then he and then Barry. I, I don't think I can say that name without being like Barry. Fucking calls <laughs> Sean Michaels over, and all they do is just make fun of the dude, and so they bail on the fucking segment. So like there, there is old school wrestling with the heels still hang, clinging in from the Hogan era. A bunch of heels trying to look dangerous to sell the baby faces. And then there's literally cut to the baby faces, literally jerking off to the <laughs> camera and not taking the segment seriously, giving us right. a beautiful image of what was and what is quickly to come in the wrestling business. And speaking of what is quickly to come uh, in the wrestling business, besides Barry, as soon as the camera's off, um, our next match is a tag team match with Men on a Mission featuring Sir Moe. And the new King of the Ring, Mabel, for some fucking reason, teaming up to take on the most 90s tag team that was never an official tag team of Razor Ramon and Savio Vega. Listen, you know why, Noah, why Mabel was the thing. You know why. He's just fucking, he's like a couch with with eyes. Yeah, he was the only one. <laughs> these are the only these these are the only four people not giving Barry a facial at the end of the previous segment because they were in Gorilla yeah. waiting wait, like oh fuck are we getting in on Barry <laughs> shit all right <laughs> he's a couch <laughs> <laughs> and then now I'm, I can't get out of my head of of a couch with eyes oh. <laughs> oh, I got I just a got purple like, fucking gold couch. <laughs> Like I like a prince's house. Like I just got lightheaded. Yes. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's it's, it's safe the more to, to break me like that. Yeah, it's safe to say he was the most uh, useless and unnecessary king of the ring. Oh, in man. the history of King of the Ring. He was. And this is a world where Billy Gunn would eventually win. I was just going to say Billy Gunn was <laughs> King of the Ring. Uh, Jafar, what you, would you think of the, the Savio Razor men on a mission match? It was not great. Not great at all. I mean, they were hyping, you know, Razor coming back from injury. So this was his last hurrah. But it was such a weak match in general. But such a weak-ass finish. Like, how are you going to win on a belly-to-belly suplex and pin Razor Ramon? When, when that belly's 589 pounds? <laughs> yeah. when, it's like when you're moving out of your apartment and you drop the couch on yourself. The one with <laughs> Guys, you, you, realize, you realize if we found an XXXXXXXXXXXXXXL jumpsuit and the four of us climbed into it, we're not 589 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I mean... You know, Razor Ramon, I loved Razor Ramon. Oh, dude. Uh, even pre-NWO. And when he came out, like his promos, like the pre-recorded promos that he had were just fantastic. Like, oh, I could watch those for hours on YouTube today. Um, and and coming off of his injury, uh, he performed really well. I think he was the highlight of the match. Um, watching Men on a Mission work is not fun to watch. <laughs> Mm-mm. Uh, neither of them have any talent, very little. I mean, enough to be King Mabel, I guess. 
if, if you're going to try to push a guy over like that. But uh, all in all, I, I thought it was a shitty match. I'd give it a one out of five stars. Get you. Get you. Doc, how you feeling about uh, this tag <laughs> extravaganza? <laughs> um, so, uh, look, and this is going to happen a lot uh, in this pay-per-view and future old school WWF pay-per-views going forward to not speak ill of the dead. Uh, you know, so this is strictly about uh, Nelson's ability in the ring, nothing as a human being. Uh, but uh, Mabel, when I was a kid, I was a big fan of Mabel, Men on the Mission, before they became heels, because they were fucking over. Oh, yeah. uh, and they were kind of a big fucking deal. Uh, this whole heel turn, the king of the ring, didn't work. Uh, and I think the problem with the problem with the match was it was a bad combination of people. And that happens a few times in this show. Just a weird combination, a weird matchup, but just styles don't work well. I mean, thankfully, you know, Savio can work his ass off with pretty much anybody I've ever seen. I don't think, I don't know if I've ever really seen Savio Vega have a particularly terrible match before. No. Uh, he just knows what he's doing. He's a fucking veteran. Uh, and Razor, and I wrote here, how, and I'm going to ask this every time we cover Razor Ramon, how the fuck was he not heavyweight champion at least one time? At least one time. I, I respectfully, tragedy. I respectfully, every time anyone ever brings up the greatest wrestlers to ever be, and to never be heavyweight champion, the, the first one usually out of their mouth is either Owen Hart or Mr. Perfect, and that you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But I always counter with Razor Ramon. Because in 1995, he was fucking over. He yeah. was fucking over every second that he was ever in the WWF. And it was only until WCW, when WCW managed to fuck up Scott Hall somehow in that entire era. And also Scott Hall probably had his own his own hand. In uh, he, he helped. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, that He absolutely should have been champion. In an era where you were looking for legitimate stars, you had one and you never put them on top. Fucking... Why you were where you are? I mean, I I have my theories on why he was never world heavyweight champion. Um, his name is Shawn Michaels. Yep, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. I'm, I'm yeah. firmly convinced of that. I also think a lot has to do with it is that obviously Shawn Michaels had Vince's ear and his mm -hmm. his pelvis, his penis specifically for a large period of this pay per view, at least metaphorically, if not quite literally. And I think Kevin Nash was still relatively new in the business at this point compared to Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels. And so there was no threat in putting the belt on Nash because ultimately if you paid him enough and told him what to do, he'd show up. But Scott Hall knows how to do business. He came up in AWA. He worked WCW. He, by the time we're in mid-90s WWF, he is a veteran of the wrestling business. And as such, in a time where Vince is – all the other veterans are fucking leaving the World Wrestling Federation for, for greener pastures and WCW – and the click isn't exactly well known for being the easiest people in the world to do business with. So why would you take the most experienced, most over of the click and then set yourself up for someone to, to in a way, stroke their goatee and say, I don't think that works for me, brother. It's everything you do, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Uh, but the match wasn't great. And <laughs> I don't, although I was, I forgot that Mabel could move surprisingly fast when he needed to, but in mm -hmm. short spurts. Like, for as big as he is, that fucker could come up off the ground when needed. And last note, uh, who, who, who the fuck did Savio think he was trying to slam him? <laughs> like, what the? <laughs> I mean, okay, Savio, brother. You gotta believe, so go ahead and believe. All right. 
It happens yeah. every every match with either Mabel or Yoko in the era of this era before that is that the baby face fires up and they're wobbling and then they're bouncing off the ropes and they hit the heel and he's wobbling. And then it's like a time slows down and the baby face starts approaching the heel and you just start fucking hearing. I believe I can fly from yeah. Mark Kelly. Yeah, yeah, like he yeah, believes yeah. in himself as he reaches under his crotch to lift this guy up. And it's like it fucking happens in every match. And at that point, listen, they're still trying with kayfabe at this point. But fucking come on. I bet. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I give it like uh, one out of one out of five. If I had to give it a star, one out of five, just because Razor and Sabio did their thing. And I, I do appreciate that Mabel won. I was a little like, fuck, Mabel won. But I went, he is King of Ring. I guess he kind of has to win. And he is main event at SummerSlam the next month. Yeah. So that's how I felt about that shit. Matt. In, in Pittsburgh, PA. In Pittsburgh. Karma. You know, Jones, you, you mentioned uh, that he was just good in short spurts, which is the title of my sex life. Oh, um, oh hey. And hi, hi oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the notes that I had here now, I, I do agree with you, Jones. Um, I forgot that Mabel could move for his size, which I, I, I did because, you know, later, as I've seen Mabel, he could not move not, and, not still, like that, and, no. and still had this still had his size. Um, you guys all rem- you guys have all seen Fight Club, and I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of our audience has seen Fight Club. We haven't talked about Fight Club too much, and um, our podcast here, the first rule of Fight Club, not supposed to. Second rule of Fight Club, not mm-hmm. supposed to. But my fucking god, if Mabel didn't remind me of Meatloaf in Fight Club, <laughs> just watching him, just watching him move, big tits <laughs> bouncing everywhere, just everywhere. Um, you know, I, I I did put here Sermo almost falls trying to do his move off the top rope. Um, and I was a little nervous for him uh, in, in that case. But yeah, you know, this this was a, we want to get Razor back on TV. We need to put him somewhere. You know, as you say, you can put Savio in, in any situation and he's going to make a match work. The thing that I noted here too was just of of, of this pay-per-view and, and of the wrestlers and the matches and everything, Again, the crowd. I was really confused by the crowd. Mm-hmm. Like there are times that's, that they seemed hot, but like I would watch them and it almost just to me seemed like a lot of them just sitting on their hands. Like they didn't seem like they're into it, but sometimes they sounded like they're into it. But like the one time that this all kind of lined up for me was when Razor got in the ring. Like after after Savio was was, you know, doing the business for a while and that pop that he got uh, when he came in. Um, Again, you, you know, you, you brought it up. Is this how do you not give this guy a belt at some point in time? You put you put that version of Scott Hall in today's WWE, and he's wrestling Roman Reigns tomorrow, mm-hmm. and probably a three month program that's going to take us from the Rumble into WrestleMania, and that's going to be one of your two headlining matches over the two days of WrestleMania, right? Um, he he had a build of Drew McIntyre like before really drew mcintyre guy can move he can work he's got the charisma i mean you fucking put a strap on that guy and just let it go for a while um but you know i think in his world too he was not the loudest of that group of people of that clique and i think that's why you kind of always see him being regulated to you know um second string duty you know so to speak um, and then, of course, obviously, the out of the ring stuff, I'm sure didn't help, you know, down the road either when he could have had opportunities. But, um, you know, 
Uh, surprised the match got as much time as it did. A lot of time. You know, for for all things considered. Um, but, you know, to me, this was a transitional match because, fuck, I could not wait to, to hear Jeff Jarrett sing. His, oh, new, his new single, which was going to be released on uh, on cassette tomorrow <laughs> night yeah, on Monday Night Raw. They made sure to mention that. Yep, on cassette. So, um, <laughs> no. it's too expensive for Vince in 1995. No, no, we are definitely, definitely in cassette. So, let's go ahead and transition to that there, Noah. Let's go ahead and transition to the Wait, music break. Before we do, I, I have a couple of notes about this match, real fast. I just want to kind of throw out there good segue though and i will i will throw it back to you to do that because i don't want to i don't want to cut you off like you're savio vega in this match 15 goddamn times <laughs> but um so first of all yeah we cannot understate uh there's very few times i'll tell someone to watch this show but in a the summer of 1995 you have no reason to believe that anybody is as over as fucking razor ramon is for just coming out and doing very very little for <laughs> the majority of this match and I did the same thing. This match drew my attention to the crowd because you're still getting that pre-programmed from years of wrestling exposure that they pop when the babyface comes in. But they're not giving a lot of heat to the heels in these matches, with the exception of one time in the show, which is coming up later, that they actually decide to boo the heel. They sit on their hands when the heel's getting heat and it feels dead. And then they pop when the babyface does something. So it's kind of like a half hot, half not crowd but god damn it uh peak scott hall which is what this is this is peak scott hall is fucking good everything he does is fucking good he looks legitimate i one of my favorite spots that i always forget about until he does it um as just as a baby face is when he gets in the match he fucking he does a little chain wrestling bumps the heel and then slaps him in the face like yep. that's that's that classic razor spot and it's like oh god damn that's such a good idea fuck scott hall um I disagree about the quality of the match. Considering who was involved, I think it was better than it should have been. I'm not going to say it was a good match, but it was better because you have recently heel uh, Mabel and Mo and doing better than they should have. Now, listen, this is still because Vince is he doesn't know what to do because ratings are down. So he reverts to the one thing he knows how to do. And it has worked for him before is he gets a big baby face champion and he builds heels, monster heels on the undercard. To go against him. That's why Mabel won the King of the Ring. It was only for SummerSlam. He's thinking short term. He had nothing for Mabel in the long term after that. And that this match was just like, well, who's my number one baby face? Kevin Nash. And then number two, Shawn Michaels. You can't touch him. Nobody could touch him except me in the locker room both before and after the show. So then number three, Razor Ramon. Fucking feed him to Mabel. Bring him back from a big uh, angle just to squash him. Literally on the show. Noah, when Vince was touching Sean backstage, was he at least spitting into his hands to get a little bit of lubrication, or was he just fucking going wrong? I think Sean has indicated he was wet enough that he didn't need any additional lubrication on this show. He's just fucking glistening. I think Vince used the word, look at him. He's a flamboyant, glistening man. Yeah, right. Just have him look in your eyes, folks, and tell you he believes in the business, and he'll do whatever it takes for the business. Yeah. That's what I mean. Possibly, I don't know. You know, you it depends on who you ask. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and no, you're hitting the nail on the head with Mabel. It it is it is a classic Vince trope, and sure. you do Let's see do Vince. You know, we'll we'll talk about that again with the the final match of the night. But the classic Vince tropes, you know, are strong strong then as they are as ever. Yep, for sure. Uh, the only other positive thing is that I do 
love a good theme song. And I do love a good theme song that has no business being good. And I do, first of all, and you have Razor's theme, which is an iconic all-time fucking classic theme song. But I forgot how wonderful the Heal Mabel theme song is that starts with the cheesy synthesizer horns and then kicks into the Men on a Mission instrumental version of the music. And it's just like, Jim Johnson, dude, he knows he knows what he's doing. Even if the fucking people working don't deserve that gold, he, he gives us that gold. So I, I do give this match 1.75 men out of five missions. It's <laughs> my official okay. rating. So, ladies and gentlemen of the audience, you again, let's go back to because we're recording this on a Saturday morning. So Mm -hmm. let's go back to our Saturday morning roots. And, you know, you're watching your Looney Tunes cartoons and somebody just baked a pie. Right. And Bugs Bunny is just kind of walking by. And that little wisp of pie, that smell just starts teasing Bugs and it and it and it and it penetrates his nose and bugs gets all fucking giddy and he levitates off the ground and he goes flying back to the pie. That's Noah with synthesizers in anything. (laughs) If you ever want to get Noah (laughs) just to lay a trap, just start playing some synth music by wherever he's walking by and it will fucking draw him in. It's true. (laughs) Synthesizers are my kink, man. Not a lot of a. You can put synthesizers in the search bar of Pornhub, and you—it's a surprisingly <laughs> upsetting few search results. You mean synthesizers? <laughs> no, I don't mean shit synthesizers. Help me out. I said synthesizers. You know, I just—I just want someone looking at me dead in the eye. I'm about to. I'm about to. I'm about to. And then I hit the E key, and the fucking fat saw wave starts. Just go. Oh, see, that's what I'm talking. I, you know, I got. I've got a business idea now. Thank you for that. Yeah. I appreciate it. You're, you're, you're welcome. That's what I'm here for. You know, uh, but our, speaking of, of music and sexual appetites, our next segment is on stage, getting ready just before soon. It's coming. Jeff Jarrett's music uh, with Todd. I, oh, I have my I have one oh. note about this. I have one note and it's Same. Todd Pettengill cries for help. He's like, hey, everybody, look at me. There's a drum. And look, there's a guitar. Are you excited? I'm excited. Hey, look at me, everybody. But like inside that man's eyes, it's death. Uh, listen, some one of us has to go on eBay or something and see if we can try to get a cassette copy <laughs> of um, Back With My Baby Tonight by Jeff Jarrett. I thought... I uh, thought you said we were going to go on eBay and get Todd Pettengill. <laughs> Listen, you talk about like cameos and things like that. I'm pretty sure we could get him for a whole lot less and uh, get him on and get him I, on. He's this still podcast. DJing, right? It's like, yeah, he's, he's like a, a successful DJ. He's on radio. Yeah, he's a like he's radio personality. The WWF was like a step down. I feel like he's kind of a big deal in his local market. He actually showed up about a year ago at, on NXT because they did the NXT in your house pay per view. And they mm, that's right. Doing mm, his, that's um, right. I do you remember pet that? And Gilness, his pet and gillality all over the damn show. So, but yeah, for sure. But they are they are really hammering down that Jeff Jarrett's going to perform this song live on the pay per view a suspicious amount for for it to go as well as it does. Spoiler alert! Later in the show, but then we cut backstage. To babyface promo part two, because apparently they realized that they just fucking were jacking off on some poor smoking gun in the earlier promo. And so they had it, you gotta you gotta do what you're supposed to do. 
And so we get Shawn Michaels and Diesel coming back and just cutting a, a, a barely paying attention generic babyface promo, which would go through. Is there anything of note to decide that how how much of an absence the the circle jerk behind them was missed during this promo? Fucking Barry. The, the thing that I did like about these promos and everything is that, you know, the thing that I hate about promos today is that the interviewer always gets like fucking yelled at. And then like the wrestler walks away angrily and like the person's just like, they're just fucking holding the microphone. Like, what am I supposed to do? What? You know, I didn't see this happening. I'm not prepared for this. You know, you, know? <laughs> you should just use that voice all the time. I can. I will channel that. Knowing what we know about how life operates in 2022, though, if wrestling was, if kayfabe was real, right? Could you imagine the human resources nightmare of, of, of trying to interview and deal with uh, conflict resolution for the interviewers for the World Wrestling Federation? It's like, okay, Jesus, come on in, take a seat. Who said what to you now and did what to you again on live on national TV? Look, Vince, we got no dispute for this. You're going to pay these people. There'd be a new person every week because someone would be in the back crying. It's like, and then Shawn Michaels made fun of my hairpiece and Kevin Nash insinuated he'd set fire to my hair. And then you just cut backstage. It's like, God, you know what though? And really like, God damn it, Barry, what is it now? Shut the fuck up, Barry. <laughs> oh Barry's the only in a backstage interview I've never felt bad for ever in my life. Ever. He's a schmuck. Clearly. Yeah. But, but like uh, they but they weren't, but the, like they 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 still helped drive the show. And that's one of the dude. things I kind of miss about today. You know, when you look back at Mean Gene, Mean Gene like could fucking talk all day, every day. You know, when you give um when you give Paul Heyman a microphone, he'll he'll you know, whether he's interviewing or being interviewed, he will carry the conversation. But like they they were a part of the show. They were a, a, a focused part of the show. They helped drive the show. They were a mouthpiece that wasn't your commentating team. Um, and I miss that. I think yeah. the shows would be better having that because, you know, you remember Mean Gene. I can't fucking tell you the names of anybody who does those backstage interviews you know, at this stage, like mm-hmm. three quarters of them were tough enough runner ups and shit, you know? So it's like, go, go back to that a little bit. Cause I, I, I did like, I did like how that, uh, how that could play. They could at least carry it. I think so. you're missing. I think that's one of the things we need to talk about at a later date is I think you're missing a sizable amount of carny motherfuckers are just no longer in the wrestling business. Yeah. And carny motherfuckers always be selling something. Right. Yeah. And so you're, mm-hmm. you you replace them with with would be sports center analysts uh, who are just more analyzing and they're not selling you anything. <laughs> Whereas Paul Heyman uh, is always selling you something. Mean Gene was always yelling and selling something. Uh, call the hotline, right? So when you said Carney, I thought you said Cardi. And so the first <laughs> thing that I thought about was <laughs> Cardi Car- B. Just Cardi B with the mic. <laughs> <laughs> We're missing the Cardi B element. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just like halfway through, like just making weird fucking Cardi B noises during the interview <laughs> and just throwing off the like fucking Seamus oh, just for God. whatever reason necessary. So, I, I, just, I do want to mention, and to your point about uh, Mean Gene and that era of announcer, 
you know, as Mean Gene and, and his ilk, they were not afraid to get in the face of the wrestler. They were not afraid to accuse them of something, call them out on their bullshit. Yeah. That was the beauty. That was the relationship. You know, it, it, and and obviously the heels would like, oh, you know, like don't, don't talk to me like that. And, and Gene would get his all his feathers all ruffled and like, oh, I'll call my lawyer. Like, but it felt so natural. Like he he means a good uh, announcer or interviewer uh, is just as important to character development as the the performer themselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate, and it, it, and you can tell like as many backstage segments they have now on WWE television. That's valuable screen time. Maximize your minutes, and you know these these interviewers aren't helping the talent get over the way they should be, and it's really unfortunate. And you, it 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 just feels like they're there, like you said, Mac. They're there. They get that. I called the Maria Canellas face, uh, like when <laughs> the inter- you know what I'm fucking talking. Yeah. You uh, yeah, you guys know what the fucking talk. That face she makes when the interview's over. She looks so befuddled and confused. They all do that face. She originated that damn face. Uh, and and it's now been like fucking trademarked by the McMahon family, um, but <laughs> it's yeah. it's really unfortunate that we don't have that anymore. And and, and the wrestling business can absolutely benefit that experience well, uh, across the board. Well, yeah, I mean it, it's and, and and again there there are there are a few wrestlers that you won't say this about, and we were very fortunate that we got to watch a lot of them. But you know, for a lot of these wrestlers, sometimes less talking is more. You know, and, and obviously we see where they will put a mouthpiece with a wrestler who's not particularly good on the mic to give them an opportunity to kind of get over. Um, but, you know, having that back and forth, you know, being able to, you know, have something, I mean, because again, it would also be scripted anyway, but, mm. you know, to be able just to have somebody else to just listen to than having to sit there and fucking... I'm trying to think of somebody who's just, I just can't stand listening to when they do promos. I just can't think of anybody off the top of my head right now, but um, just to have something else to just switch it up a little bit. But yeah, completely, completely right about that. Yeah. Well, you know, um, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll wax philosophical about the lack of me and Gene Okerlund's as we continue down our journey on the show and wrestling, but it's now time to get to one of the things this fucking show has not shut the fuck up about Jeff Jarrett performs with my baby tonight live and this song and this performance is such a a, a a key and iconic part of the show for better or for worse because rock and wrestling is a thing right that's vince mcmahon's rock hulk hogan's rock and wrestling was the goddamn cartoon that was the mtv era and so music and wrestling part of the reason of wwf success in the hogan boom was its use of music and its use of of popular content in the mid-90s saw the, the the decline of the hair metal wild rock and roll that was so big in the 80s and the rise of the country music quote-unquote hat acts like garth brooks and alan jackson and so vince is like well uh, if nascar is now a thing and country music is now a thing on like pop music stations well i gotta fucking get in on this and so but of course vince with his opinion of southern people decides that he's got to be a fucking heel so, but I don't know why you'd market a song that is half decent around a heel when no one's supposed to buy heel merchandise and you're going to put it on cassette because that makes a lot of fucking sense. But dear God, here we are. And he's going to perform the song live with uh, with help. So, so I think um, after the roadie intro, right, which is just goddamn uh, Brian James uh, it just has so much charisma and it was pouring out here well ahead of the road dog time. 
Jeff Jarrett, I have in my notes that uh, Jeff Jarrett comes out and cuts a heel promo that only goes about a minute, but it seems like it lasts for three hours before the fucking act- song fucking actually starts. And then the song starts. And I would say it's probably one of the top lip sync performances I've ever seen uh, in my life. Like as far as how how well done it was to do it live in front of a crowd. Uh, kayfabe, I'm, I'm sure all of you have figured it out, but that is Brian James, the road dog. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> uh, and I'm uh, as what we know from from being fans of other podcasts that uh, why Jeff Jarrett kept looking to his right, our left is because that's where Brian James was singing the song so that they could be aware of each other's visual cues. But as far as in an era where uh, the production could be quite hokey and quite, quite sloppy, this was tight. This is very tightly done and well done. So kudos to them for this. But how did you guys feel about the performance of Jafar with our with my baby tonight? Yeah, I think the best part of it was Rhodey's intro because you could see the the early workings of ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Like I was expecting him to say that, and I was like, yeah. wait, this is before that. <laughs> this is before <laughs> that. Uh, and then Jarrett comes out. He cuts a not great promo. He re- he basically cut the same promo. He said the same promo twice. Oh, it's, it's the one promo he did since his yeah. WWF debut. And the one thing that's that always bugged me with his promos was J-E, ha-ha, double F, ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> like a stupid J-A. fucking laugh. Like, <laughs> he's, he's just like, knock Jeff. it off with a fucking laugh, all right? Jeff, he's just excited he remembered how to spell it. I want a speak and spell that does that when you're like, J-A, ha-ha. Yeah, like that would be perfect because that's like oh that makes sense that's yeah what that's i'm gonna intro myself for every podcast moving <laughs> oh, forward God. but but no to your point like the production quality was solid i mean we knew he was lip syncing obviously but he was if you watch it closely he's pretty spot on in terms mm-hmm. of hitting it and i mean like just watching it you're like all right that's definitely not his voice no uh, but, he, but but he was hitting it and he sold it and you know it's not a great song it's a middle of the road country song but i think i think it got people over uh at least in that crowd doc how you feel about the live performance i have a you know such a a relationship with this 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 story and this gimmick and this moment in wrestling because for me uh the the double j character and the following, the fallout after everything that happens, and the controversy with the, the lip syncing accusations—it was the talk of the lunch table as I was a kid. It was a thing that, like, did you see that? Was he was lip syncing? Like, of course. And then you know, you had a couple of buddies who, who clearly, oh, you could tell he was lip syncing the entire time. There are those of us who were like fucking twelve years old, like, well, I really couldn't tell necessarily. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. You know, looking at it, you know, I just absolutely loved it. It was, it was mm. fucking perfect. It was Jeff Jarrett. It was J E double F, you know, like that over the top, absolutely obnoxious country singer star who thinks he's thinks the world of himself. Um, I thought I agree. It was the production was fantastic for a fucking WWF show. Like it was surprisingly good. Now I hadn't watched this I, probably since it happened. Uh, so I was really pleasantly surprised how well it came across. I thought Michelle was going to cringe pretty hard watching it. But I was like, yeah, this is pretty fucking good, actually. Yeah, you know, and and Brian James has a very nice singing voice. Uh, 
So it was good. I I fucking loved. I loved. I love to hate Jeff Jarrett. Fucking mm-hmm. love to hate him. He's just such a hateable fucking heel. I love it. Um, and just him singing so well. And just like, yeah, you're going to eat crow. And I was like, yeah, you motherfucker. <laughs> you motherfucker. <laughs> I can't, can't deny that, that, it, that he uh, he brought it to the table with his lip singing performance. Yes. Uh, Mac, how do you feel about it? You know, guys, I have an affinity for orgies. I do. Yeah. You know, I mean, don't we all? They're wholesome, good old fashioned, you know community fun. I don't want to say family fun because that's a kink I'm not into. Oh, it depends on where how far south in the United States. I mean, I mean we we let off with Alabama. So, yeah. <laughs> um but like, you know, what you really get disappointed by is an unenthused orgy. And that's what this performance reminded me of. With the exception of the three backup singers who were clearly trying to overcompensate for the lackluster performance of basically everybody else who are going through the fucking motions of putting on this song, including Jeff <laughs> Jarrett. So I, 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 I just liken it to a, an unenthusiastic orgy. Just, you know, there are several couches. People are just kind of going through the motions. They're not getting paid enough. They're bad camera angles. The can't, the, the lights are hot. <laughs> and except for, except for these three fucking people over here who are just overcompensating and working their asses off to try to sell the rest of it. And Matt, that's Matt. what I felt about this performance. That's why the did, camera did, keeps cutting to him. There are three couches. Did any of them have eyes? <laughs> just wonder. I, I, being that I wasn't that thinking. That couch of, had eyes. There was, there was definitely one that was purple, and I have to go back and watch it again and see if it wasn't just wondering just wondering oh but that's that's how i felt about it i mean i i I thought and and this was the point where as i as i was mentioning you guys earlier i was watching this later in the evening and i was getting tired and everything and this is kept being around the points where i was starting to kind of doze off a little bit during the during the pay-per-view but um just i i hated the performance like okay for a wwe thing yes comparatively speaking great but like it was so it just was so <laughs> Vince McMahon's impression of the South. It is. And, yep. and, and, you know, I also kind of felt like the best part about this was everybody else's reaction because they fucking go into the audience and they're like, Hey, what did you think about J- double J's performance? And like, the guy's like, it sucked. And like, <laughs> Oh, okay. So it was pretty good. Then the guy's like, no, that's not what I said, and then they go to the next person. What'd you think? And the woman's like, well, it had sound. So it was a great song. And she's like, well, no microphone moved to the next person. Um, that was the best part of the whole performance was them going into the audience to talk to people and nobody to try to sell it no, every, yeah. to try to sell it like would you buy the cassette um if it's 99 cents okay so 499 you're gonna buy it like like no that's <laughs> the, 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 the best part he's like guys and he, he they pan over to a shot he's like thumbs up thumbs down jeff jarrett's performance and you see three people <laughs> Shoot the finger. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, mixed reaction. <laughs> uh, it's just it that's that was that was the best part of the whole performance to me. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, well done, all things considered. We were supposed to hate it. 
And if you liked it, then, well, there's a cassette tape for you to, to set to mail your money to a P.O. box. Yeah. I wonder, <laughs> how many, a... I wonder how many cassettes they actually sold from that. I would love I would love to find that out. That would that would be uh, somewhere on a early Excel spreadsheet is a royalties report for Jeff Jarrett that would tell you how many. <laughs> and I've always wondered, because as we know, I, uh, uh, Je- Doc and I listen to Jeff Jarrett's podcast. Um, and he he has mentioned that he d- did earn minute royalties from the sale of With My Baby Tonight, which yep. I'm going to ask the question, fucking why? You didn't sing on it. <laughs> Maybe your picture's on the front of the cassette that you made money from that? Like, I don't fucking understand royalties. But that, that I thought it was interesting. And yeah, the best part of it uh, in a lot of ways was Todd Pettengill crying, screaming for help in a crowd in a, in a sea of Nashvillians who had who just wanted to watch some wrestling, which is one of my favorite, you know, crowd interactions. But so after that, what real quick here before we move on to the next thing while we're we put a cap on this. So I just as you're talking, guys, I want to do a quick search to see if I could find the sales numbers for back with my baby. Nothing really kind of came up, but they did say here, Jeff Jarrett's with my baby tonight raising money. Because as they re-released the song, because we can get this on iTunes, because why the hell not? Uh, it was the sales of the song were going towards uh, Connor's cure. Connor's cure. Yeah. Okay. So you, some some something good to come out of something audibly not great from from the mid nineties. So uh, with with my baby tonight will come up, and that's good. Uh, that donating Connor's cure. It's a wonderful yeah. cause and a wonderful. Yeah. So to our to our wonderful listeners, if you do feel like going online and purchasing that song, your money is going to a good cause. Good. Yeah. Good. Well, speaking of money not going to a good cause, on the flip side, our next match, for some strange reason, there's like, like when you think about of what I remember in your house too, summer of '95. Okay, yeah, I remember the Jeff Jarrett Shawn Michaels match because of how it goes. And I remember that we were in, in the middle of a whole lot of dieselness. But I, uh, other than that, specifics start to get hazy, right? And I had completely for- forgot that of any reason our next match should have existed, which is Bam Bam Bigelow versus Henry O. Godwin. And I got to jump on here and just say real fast that Henry Godwin's theme song bothers me on a spiritual level. I... <laughs> It is so deliverance, but not even mm-hmm. the good points of the deliverance because the deliverance song can kind of be a jam, right? It's somebody who knows how to play the guitar and a banjo and they're going. And even though you know that it reminds you of Ned Beatty being raped in the woods, you you kind of put it on your mind because it's a good bluegrass jam. This is none of the jam. It's just like, oh, God. And it just it's just Henry God going, yeah, girl. Hey, yeah. Do some slow plucking banjo. I I I got like I felt fucking dirty after watching him come to the ring, and I was makes, so glad he didn't go over. Just I didn't have to hear it again. It makes you appreciate Bray Wyatt's music that much more. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, so, it does. So. Jafar, what did you think of Bad Bad Bigelow versus Henry O. Godwin? Uh, I think this was uh, Double J's five minute breather between uh, him singing, quote unquote. And him wrestling, quote unquote. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't great. I mean, I never got the Henry Godwin gimmick. Like, it was just an, an odd character. Uh, Bam Bam, I mean, dude can work. 
him sure. is ahead of his time for a big guy. He can, he could definitely work. And, you know, I think he was a big draw, but I think it was a pretty lackluster match. It was the shortest match on the card, five and a half minutes. Um, and like I said, I think it's just like a middle, middle card match. It's just filler to get to what's next. For sure. Doc, Bam Bam and Godwin. Uh, so I have no r- real clear rec, and I watched a lot of wrestling in my life, but I have no recollection of a heel Henry Godwin, hmm. like before the second heel turn later on with his cousin or brother or whatever that was. Could have been the same person. With Phineas, hmm. <laughs> with Phineas, yeah. Uh, I I guess that's how he debuted. I guess was a heel because yeah. this is pretty early. But I remember him as a lovable babyface later on. Um, I thought that was weird when he came out and I went, Oh, that's good. That's Oh, he's a heel. Okay. I didn't remember that, but I absolutely remember how crisp bam, bam, fucking Bigelow was fucking in the ring. Incredible. Cause yeah. that dude, man. And, and, and look, look, uh, we're talking like 1995. He debuted, uh, for the Jarrett territory. And I came like 88 or not 88. That's like, like 86, 86. 84, mm-hmm. something like that. So, you know, he's been around wrestling a long time by this point. So, like, he's probably a little past his prime for his size. But dude still put it in the work. He, Bam Bam, another guy who rarely had terrible matches. He never had, I mean, he's had some bad ones, but he's never had terrible matches. It was just a joy to watch him wrestle. It was the first time I watched the Bam Bam Bigelow match in a long, long time. Uh, and the only thing that really stands out to me, uh, even though the finish was super flat, Unfortunately, yeah, uh, was was fucking uh, hog carrying around a bucket of spoiled 50-50 salad mix. It's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> just got a well, they, they shot the inside of the bucket. I'm like, Ooh, what's in the slot? Oh, it's just salad. Fuck. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah, this is I, before the days of like HD cameras and shit. So like, they're like, ah, just put fucking salad. Go catering, get some salad mix, throw it in there. I, the <laughs> first thing I noticed good. was that there's a lot of chard in there. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah. You eat organically. Way to go. Yeah. Okay. Some extra radicchio. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's it was like two, two, two hog pens out of five. Okay. All right, Mac, how'd you feel about this? So I want to read my notes about what I had for this match. Um, because I feel like I feel like these notes really say it all. Bam Bam Bigelow versus Henry O. Godwin, the hog farmer. Bam Bam wins. <laughs> oh shit! That's, that's it. Well, verbose, <laughs> my friend. That that, that that right. Round there, of applause for right you. Thing. Thank you. Um, I, I felt this match was highly unnecessary. Um, I I love Bam Bam. I thought we could have done something much more. You know, maybe take a couple minutes down from the the tag team match earlier and give you know them maybe a little bit more. Um, the finish really fell flat. I was waiting for something to happen with the pale. It didn't. And, uh, you know, I remarked for, you know, Demi Lovato, that's how you're supposed to do head tattoos is what Bam Bam did, not mm-hmm. what you did. Oof. So, um, Dave, 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 yeah, please stop trying to come for beloved female pop stars. And when you're involved <laughs> in this podcast, because the internet does not react positively to it. You always pick one and then, Friends of ours that don't fucking listen to the show just materialize on the nothing good page. Yeah. Listen, tear you down. Yeah. Did listen. you hear what Dave said about Debbie Lovato? Listen. God damn it. <laughs> she knows what she did with that tattoo on her head. 
All right. We, we all know what she did with that tattoo on her head. So, um, you know, but that's, that's how you go with a, uh, tattoo on your head. You go with Bam Bam. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I've got a lot of great memories of Bam Bam. Um, I, I really liked him as a wrestler, crisp, solid, great worker. Um, that's, that's really it. Yeah. I mean, this was to me a very forgettable match. I have, uh, this being rated one half dull salad bag out of five. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah. So I, I have a couple of notes here. Unfortunately, this is going to be the second to last singles pay-per-view match for Bam Bam Bigelow in the WWF. Um, he, he will wrestle one more time on pay-per-view in a singles match, uh, two more times as a tag. And then he is gone after survivor series in 1995. Um, doesn't even make the rumble in 96. Before he is before he is out of here, which is a shame considering the run. And just a few months ago, he main evented WrestleMania as the heel mm-hmm. against Lawrence Taylor. I think <clears throat> we can go on and on. The Bam Bam is one of the most underrated talents to ever be in a position. And it's the only thing that stopped him from being higher was timing. Flat out, just the timing coming up in the Hogan era, <clears throat> being too exposed during the Hogan era to be special during the Brett era, but working, being good enough to work with everybody and be a credible threat. My fondest memories of Bam Bam. I love Bam Bam and Luna in that heel era against Doink and Dink and mm-hmm. everybody else. That was such a great pairing. And the theme song was so was just him yelling Bam Bam over and over again. Bam, just bam. So incredible. Yeah. And he is the most underrated player to play as in the mm-hmm. WWF Raw and WWF Royal Rumble Super Nintendo and Genesis games. Because dude was so fast and his stats are so good. It's always be loving me some Bam Bam. Uh, he's easily he's easily the top character inspired by a Hanna-Barbera cartoon in the history of the WWF I would give you that I'd give you that that he could have that slammy award for sure for sure Uh, but we do get Henry Godwin and he is a heel um, but this is the beginning Uh, so first of all this is in the, the run of Vince doing his disgusting heel gimmicks you had Henry Godwin and before him it was Bastion Booger and before him was T.L. Hopper the plumber and before him was Skinner, Steve Kern, as the, the you know, and they like to carry something gross to the ring. And then if you are an undercard guy, you get covered in it. And if you're a top guy, you can fucking take it that shit. You're not bumping for that. So so that's where we are. But uh, in less than two months, Henry Godwin is a babyface. So I mm-hmm. think that's the reason why we didn't get the post-match bucket slop, because they are going to be turning him a babyface to feud with the young, fresh upstart, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. You know, I, I thought the reason we didn't get the uh, the the bucket slop was because he had a bottle of ranch dressing backstage and he was going to eat that <laughs> shit before he got back to his car. Hailing from Hidden Valley. <laughs> um, so anyway, fun stuff. Uh, I gave this match, but it's a big bruiser of a match. Finished the season, a very a kind of a lazy lackluster for as good as it could have been. Miss a splash, roll him up, get the hell out of there. I don't know why Godwin was in this position because if you want to keep Bam Bam to fill some time, squash a heel but you don't need to keep you know lift it up and if you're if you have plans for henry godwin why have him lose clean on tv on pay-per-view irs is sitting there not doing anything that match could have been a, a whole thing uh but bam bam capitalizes i give this match 1.5 deliverance fives out of five post-match though is my favorite part we just randomly cut to bob Backlund trying to buy weed off some teenagers <laughs> yeah a teenager who kind of looked like bob Backlund. Like they're really I'm sure that was a son. I, I know he's supposed to like they're doing this 
Backland, Mr. Backland president thing. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and that you, and I imagine when they sold this to Bob, like go out there and get in the face and have a conversation with you and be a heel. So we can be like, Oh, you're ridiculous. But they just cut to him having a casual conversation and the kids are like listening and nodding. Mm, yes. Letting you know that Bob Backlund and the South at this time was maybe trying to make America great again. And that oh, these man. people would be key voters just just 25 short years later so <laughs> so there it is there's these these well, that he bought now, some dirt weed off of now that you've said that phrase on this podcast noah we oh, are now no. going to get a boost from the QAnon listeners so please no well when they go back and discover what i said about joe rogan and vigilante justice and living in a van and the ninja turtle episodes now available in the archive you understand that they won't stay long and then, so, <laughs> but not staying long is the last thing before the highlight of the night. Shawn Michaels cuts a decent babyface promo and stumbles mm-hmm. a bit, but he's excited because and, as, and he caught himself stumbling and he, he just fucking went with it. He's he like, did. I'm calling this out and I don't give a shit. Yeah, um, uh, motivated. And this is one of the few things I have an opinion about Shawn Michaels as a person, but his work is almost untouchable when he's motivated. And motivated Shawn Michaels is a fucking sight to behold. He was motivated to cut a babyface promo. <clears throat> so, excuse me. So, speaking of motivated Shawn Michaels, I can we all agree that this is the goddamn highlight of the light? Shawn Michaels versus Jeff Jarrett for the Intercontinental oh, title. It gets that's all the only highlight of the we, night. We probably could have just done this entire podcast on just this match and saved ourselves, you know, an hour and a half of viewing. Yes, yeah, for sure. For sure. But it is Jeff Jarrett. Versus Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental Championship. Jafar, what did you think of this match? Oh, this was a great match. And it it deserved every minute of the 20 minutes that it took up on the card. Um, you know, Jones, you mentioned it before. Jeff Jarrett was one of those guys at, at, at this point who you love to hate, but you still mm-hmm. love to watch him work because he could fucking work. Um, yeah. And Shawn Michaels, his star was rising. At this time, you know, he was the new up and coming golden child of of the WWF. And to see those guys fucking hustle and work and they're they were in peak peak athletic shape and the what the moves they were able to make and the way that they were able to to go. Um, I think it was the highlight of the night for sure. Um, and it and it it set Shawn Michaels up for that path that we all know where he's going from here. Um lazy eye aside so (laughs) 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 but no it was a it was a fantastic match uh strong finish uh you know the old oh sorry the roadie got involved and he looked the wrong way and got the wrong guy and we got the sweet chin music to finish off the match and the, the crowd reaction i mean said it all i mean that the building lit up when that happened so uh I fucking loved it. One thing I liked uh, after the match was when Doc Hendricks was just fucking came freaking everywhere. out, just, yeah. just just going fucking bananas in front of the door. He's like, I can hear them yelling at each other. He's like, I don't know what the fuck's happening right now. It I'm going to tell you what's was, going on. Yeah. He's yelling, spit on it, spit on it. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so I, I thought that was, disgusting. I thought that was great, <sighs> but, but yeah, fantastic match. Uh, the highlight of this pay-per-view oh, for yeah. sure. Like I said, both of those guys were in peak form at that point. And it, it was so fun to watch as a wrestling fan to see what those guys could do together. 
for as ridiculous as uh, Jeff Jarrett's outfit is, which, mm-hmm. which is fucking ridiculous. But both those dudes can fucking hustle in the ring, and it it shows, and and I think it shines in this match in particular for show. Incredible, Doc. Thoughts? Uh, yeah. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this match in in depth because of the importance of it in in Jeff Jarrett's career, really. Uh, but um, I thought that the match was excellent. Uh, it was really cool. Jeff Jarrett oftentimes gets a bad rep for uh, you know he's not that great. He's, listen. Jeff Jarrett may not be Ric Flair. You know what I'm saying? He's not Kurt Angle. He's not that guy. He doesn't have to be that guy. But Jeff Jarrett is is a fucking, as a solid, a professional wrestler, sports entertainer, and I've ever seen in my life. He can wrestle pretty much anybody. He can pull a good match out of pretty much anybody. Uh, But it's a treat. It's an absolute delight when he gets to face and work with a guy like Shawn Michaels. Uh, because those two together, they're young, they're both hungry, they both can move, and they both have great conditioning. So they just fucking went. And, you know, Jeff did a great job, you know, playing up the heel bit, you know, getting out of the ring, getting in the ring, getting out of the ring. She was pissing me off. I'm like, well, he's doing his job. You know, like, it was great. Mm-hmm. It was it was, it was great. Uh, so, but because there's so so much, and, we're, and it, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but, like, the, co- the context of this whole thing is, you know, this match did not end the way it was supposed to end mm-hmm. uh, at all. Uh, so the roadie Jeff Jarrett bit was hot. It was people hated it. People loved to hate it. It was work. It was good. So Vince, uh, Bruce Pritchard, uh, uh, you know, and company, the creative team want to break them up. And Jeff Jarrett and the roadie, Brian James, did not think that they should be broken up. They felt like it was too hot. It was still, there's still mileage. According to, and this is all according to Jeff Jarrett's podcast and Bruce Pritchard's podcast, uh, goddamn Conrad Thompson. Uh, <laughs> so the idea was there was a lot of, of things happening behind the scenes. Uh, Brian James is going to fail a drug test. Everybody fucking knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, he was going to get fired. There was no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're talking about in the wake of the steroid trial, there was a, a very little low tolerance policy in place. Uh, and Jeff knew it, James knew it, and Jeff and James were very good friends at this point. Now, they neither one of them believe that they should be broken up at this point, but, you know, this is Vince's fucking company. You will do what Vince tells you to do, whether you like it or not, unless you're Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> and so the finish of the match was supposed to be, everything's played out how it was supposed to. You know, Rody accidentally tripped Jeff, blah, 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 boom, one, two, three. What's supposed to happen is they're supposed to get into it in the ring and have a fucking falling out live on television. That does not happen. They just fucking leave. They just fucking leave, which is why the really awkward and uncomfortable Doc Hendricks segment takes place. That shit made no sense whatsoever. And, you know, I totally forgot about that segment. I'm like, oh, this all makes sense. Because obviously when I watched it as a kid, I didn't know this shit was happening. But it all makes sense now because it was like, yep. yo, do something, Doc. Get in there, do something. Um, and and Jeff walked out on Vince McMahon, which is an excellent episode in the My World podcast, by the way. I highly recommend that episode. It is so cool. That was oh no no you're right now yeah yeah held him up yeah for however many fucking thousands of dollars because Jeff's apparently that fucking gangster and will do that to Vince two fucking times. Fuck. Um, but. I think it was just a really interesting, and that's why they did the whole lip syncing thing. But everything just kind of came out that way. Uh, it's a really fascinating 
example of poor communication and just ego and people not meeting in the middle in a professional setting. Because I feel like that was a terrible decision on Jeff Jarrett's part, honestly. you I mean, Invincible will take anybody back, obviously. He brought the fucking warrior back. Rest in peace. Um, mm. But I feel like he was giving Jeff the ball here. You know, whether Jeff liked the idea of, you know, breaking up with Rhodey early or not doesn't matter. He was giving him the opportunity to become a big-time heel. Who knows what could would have happened later on down the line had Jeff just played and stayed the course with the Double J character. You know, maybe nothing. Maybe everything would have ended up the same. But who knows? Uh, but, yeah, I think the match was excellent. Uh, I was a joy to watch. And now hindsight knowing what was really going on made it even more fascinating to me uh so yeah that's that's how i feel about it, it was good for sure for sure mac what's uh what, what's your thoughts on this match oh it was so good mm-hmm. i mean it was it was just it was crisp you know it was two guys that are in you know peak physical condition very healthy being able to just do all the things that they want to do without a problem um, I fucking love Sean's bumps in this match. Him going over the top rope. All that and, up and over was brutal. Oh, dude. the up and over was amazing, and just how clean he lands it. Right. Um, just that. Just so much of this match, I just really appreciated. Um, it was great storytelling. Jeff Jarrett was a phenomenal heel, and I have I have the I have a weird relationship with Jeff Jarrett because um, I was at Ichiban up and Robinson when he was banging Kurt Angle's wife and, <laughs> and was in was, I was at a birthday party at a private, you know, table and over the table next to me was fucking Jeff Jarrett with Kurt Angle's wife and kids. And, you know, I'm a Mount Lebanon guy, Kurt Angle's a Mount Lebanon guy. He and I have had a beer before, you know, we've had conversations seeing that just really, just angers me because I'm like, wait, why is Jeff Jarrett in Pittsburgh? TNA's not here. Oh, that's Ooh. Kurt Angle's wife, you know? Um, so <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I just imagine that you're sitting there at one of those tables at Ichiban and you look over and you notice Jeff Jarrett uh, and Kurt Angle's family without Kurt Angle. And then the guy's like trying to squirt sake and do fucking <laughs> shrimp. You're like, not now. <laughs> no, no. See, what you're missing about that, Noah, is me fucking taking the sake with making eye, eye contact, contact just <laughs> with Jeff Jarrett, not missing a fucking beat. <laughs> it's, it's all about multitasking. Um, I've I've always I've always appreciated, you know, Jeff Jarrett is just a, he's just an interesting person in the history of wrestling, right? Um, but um, I've I've always appreciated his ability to work. I think he's always been a very good wrestler. I like that the dude decided, you know, when he was going to walk out on, you know, national television, that he was going to look like a second grade art project. Um, <laughs> not quite a good one, but you know, that, that was, those were the times. Um, but um, I, I, one of the things that I, I just kind of made a note with was, you know, Shawn Michaels doing the flying elbow from the top rope and just how fucking solid that was, Lines. you know, just it was so good and you know i i was angry with the finish because i didn't do the research on that until after 
because I could tell something was not quite right with how everything kind of finished. And that's when I read that, you know, um, Brody and, and, and double J both quit right after the match. And, you know, and, and started kind of going down the rabbit hole and doing research. But that was the one thing about it is that, you know, I, I, I thought with the match being as good as it was, and it was such a good match that I, I didn't think you needed that little trip up. I would have liked it to have been a cleaner finish, but um, you know, knowing now what I didn't know when I watched it, it all makes sense. But I mean, this was the uh, Shawn Michaels list bald spot, you know, match that, uh, that I, I enjoyed. And um, I give it a four out of five. I mean, it, it carried the pay-per-view. It's the one thing that I would actually go back and watch again. If I ever wanted to go back and watch this again. Yeah, for sure. If there's one match we recommend that you watch out of this show for all the positive reasons, it is definitely this match. And <clears throat> I don't think we could really say enough positive things because I noticed that good wrestling matches are great wrestling matches. When wrestling's good, it's incredible. When it's bad, it's awful, right? And so this would be a good wrestling match, a great wrestling match on any show that you ever put it in. Uh, but great wrestling matches, as we have talked about in our never-ending Halloween Havoc 95 thing that you i still haven't finished listening to it you never will you we're still it's, recording it's 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 been, <laughs> it's, been it's, <laughs> it's been 14 weeks and i still have like an hour to go uh yeah. but a bad a good match on a bad show is like a fucking oasis in the desert right and it just it just stands out so much more so yes please watch this match uh it goes over 20 minutes to put things in in perspective Bam Bam versus Henry Godwin before this is just over five minutes. It is just over five minutes. Uh, that's the whole match. It is just over five minutes from the time that Jeff Jarrett's music first hits to the bell rings. Because this this entire pay-per-view, whether you love it or not, is centered around, in a way, Jeff Jarrett. This is the Jeff Jarrett show. He's the first one of the first people we see. We keep checking in with him all night. So this whole thing was kind of designed around Jeff Jarrett. And, I, and, I, and I'll make a note about that because I think it was absolutely on purpose because Vince, Vince knew what was going to happen. But uh, my God, when Shawn Michaels comes to work, Jeff Jarrett, as we said, is a crisp worker. He never does anything poorly. But when Shawn Michaels is motivated, he can fucking work with anybody. So when he works with somebody who knows what they're doing and he's motivated to make it happen, it, it's fucking magical. And they don't, they don't do much. For the first 12 minutes of this match, mm -hmm. but the crowd's into it. We're into it. You hate Jeff Jarrett. Shawn Michaels is in incredible shape. Both guys are. And it's just like everyone came to work and everything is so crisp that they do. But see what you what you said there, Noah, again, is going back to the roots of classic wrestling. They used the first 12 minutes of that match. They didn't do a lot of things mm -hmm. physically, you know, necessarily, but they set they built the story. They told the story. You know, they they just Jarrett using the classic heel moves going in the ring, out of the ring quickly, you know, the little bits of interference, the count outs, you know, all those different things going on just really made you enjoy the last eight or nine minutes of the match where business did pick up. Mm -hmm. And you really got to see the abilities and athleticism of these guys, you know, really go through and kind of finish the story they were telling. And um, that's 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 the kind of stuff that I'm that I miss because you know, we, I think we all kind of agree when Vince gives mid-sized guys the reins and lets them go, it's the best wrestling that we typically get, yep. which you see as a juxtaposition later on in this pay-per-view when you get the final match between Psycho Sid and, and Diesel, because I just, rem and, and I'll, we'll talk about when we get there, but, you know, it's such a juxtaposition of, of what we saw 
from from what was the what what really proved to be the highlight of the pay-per-view versus what probably should have or could have been your main event which you know well again we'll talk about for sure uh yeah the last other note i want to make about the match before we talk about uh post-match and and the history of wrestling on this is uh the conditioning as everyone has mentioned jeff you let off with this the two men are in such incredible condition that it's and it's so interesting that in a match with mid 90s Shawn Michaels that he has probably the weaker of the two conditioning because Jeff Jarrett was barely sweating as we mm-hmm. get to the finish of the match. You felt like that's that old Memphis, that old NWA kind of roots where he that match could have gone 20 minutes longer before Shawn Jeff Jarrett looked as worn down as Shawn Michaels had, but the pacing was great. Uh, but the, it really kind of drew into focus the whole show being in a way about Jeff Jarrett and how good he was booked to look at the end of this match. The fact that he was still had a lot of gas and it was only being tripped by his boy and kicked with hit with the finish that he was pinned for the three. Um, I rate this match, and here's a little uh, a little tidbit as to what's coming. I love this match. I rate this match 4.5 eventual visits to a Syracuse nightclub out of five. Oh. Which is a mm. nice little little because that's coming. That's coming real soon. I thought you were gonna go, I thought you were gonna say like, you know, lost smiles or something, but nope, nope. I was nope. hoping it was Shawn Michaels' lazy eyes. Because that happens in like three three months from now. Shawn Michaels gets <laughs> ahead of himself in a Syracuse nightclub. But uh, the whole thing is, yes, The what happens uh, is it influenced both Jeff Jarrett and um, specifically Jeff Jarrett and the Road Dogs' careers for the rest of their careers after this. Because Jeff Jarrett, um, and when you think about it, Jeff Jarrett was recently asked on a podcast, would he have done it the same if he could do it all over again? And he said he would, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Because the whole reason that he did this is because he was worried that now that he's feuding with the roadie um, and when roadie gets fired for the drugs, that he's going to be left without anything to do. And he's going to be sitting at home, which is exactly what he fucking does. As soon as he walks out of this pay-per-view, he sits at home (laughs) and he's just buying his time until his contract is up when he comes back. Uh, to go to WCW for a year. And if Jeff Jarrett had just fucking done business, then perhaps he would have been in line when Shawn Michaels was eventually the champion to work a, 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 at least another in your house. And we could have got a rematch of this match. Uh, but instead, Jeff Jarrett's career took the way it was. And that's why, because, and you know, this is a little bit of Jeff Jarrett and a little bit of putting two and two together. I think this show was so about making Jeff Jarrett trying to to say, hey, listen, we know you don't like the creative, but we're going to fucking show you literally more than anybody else on the show. We're going to see your face. So fucking do business. Um, but also why when he comes back to the WWF, they lowball him on his offer. Even though he's coming off of a run in WCW, they cut his money later on. And then that leads to him not resigning, holding up Vince and then going to, to WCW to get his big push. All of this goes back to the fact that they didn't trust him fully because he walked out after making an entire fucking pay-per-view about him. That's the night he walks out on. You could have just fucking gone, done the thing and gone to raw and, and stretched it out. I don't know, but it influenced a lot of wrestling because from there, this is this moment, this pay-per-view because Jeff Jarrett and Vince's trust was shattered leads to Jeff Jarrett going to WCW twice leads to Vince not opting to pick up his contract when WWF buys WCW which leads to him writing out the rest of his Turner contract and creating TNA wrestling. So this moment 
is the origin of TNA wrestling right here to the competition events, which, you know, would then influence our exposure to Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and a lot of, a lot of other things, a lot of other people. So, and then of course you get, have, you get to have Doc Hendricks just fucking feverishly masturbating backstage. Oh my God. To, the, to, to an angle. He's like, I can just imagine Bruce Pritchard yelling at him, just say something and get the angle over. That's hundred percent what had to happen. Can yeah. you, can you talk as fast as humanly possible? So even though you have nothing to say, it's going to sound like you have something very important to say, but you're saying it so quickly. Nobody's really going to pay attention to what you're saying and have no fucking clue if this doesn't actually work out and go. <laughs> like, like you could have put him in a micro machines commercial in 1995 with that segment and it would have fucking played. Well, he just reaches into his little man panty bag, uh, does a bump real fast and then he's good to go do 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 michael hayes so now we get to a match that i am grateful that i forgot happened not because it was a bad match but because this is like absolutely because i recently you know in my life was going through all the raws and it was like of course this was the 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 cool down match of all fucking things but we get owen hart and yokozuna the fucking world wrestling federation tag team champions with Cornette and mr fuji so it's like an entire time capsule of incredibleness against the Allied Powers, Powers, British Bulldog, and Lex fucking Luger. Oh, the tag team championship! <laughs> like after all that Jeff Jarrett and Shawn Michaelsness, I was like, oh, all right, what have we got going on? And then fucking Yokozuna's music, and I was like, I like forgot for a minute that Yokozuna existed, and it's like, oh shit, he's tag champs with Owen. Jafar, how you how how did you feel about this match? Yeah, I don't have uh, a lot of notes on this match in particular. There was a lot of talent in that ring with those guys. Uh, it's impressive to see Yoko move the way that Yoko could move for as big as he was. Um, and I just fucking lo- love watching Owen Hart at any point in time. Uh, the biggest note that I have here on my notes, it says three of the four people in the ring are dead. The other one killed Miss Elizabeth. There's no lie. He didn't kill Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> no one put a gun to her head, told her to take those drugs. Uh, my God. My God. God damn it. I think most of us feel a certain way about yeah, Lex I mean, Luger, I do too. And it's not great. Um, it is yeah. not a positive vibe. I mean, it's it's weird. It's just an odd match. I mean, it seemed like an odd matchup in general. Like I said, there was a ton of talent in the ring, but it made you not like I didn't really care about the match. Like I, I wasn't emotionally invested in it one way or the other. So for me, it was sort of lackluster middle of the road. Jeff, I want to piggyback on something you said, because I had the same note. Three of the four people in this match are dead. It's not just that they died. It's they died within seven years of that match. Like this isn't like, Oh, you know, um, Yoko's Yoko died, you know, peacefully, at the ripe age of 60, you know, like they, they, they all, everybody in this match tragically died um, within, within way too young. And, and, you know, regardless of where they would be with their wrestling careers uh, and where they would go or what they would have done, um, you know, these guys were all in the thirties. So that's, that's, that's just, that's just tough. That was, that was tough for me to, to kind of yeah. wrap my head around the only so. the only two surviving members in any side of this match were Luger and Cornette. 
Fuji's yeah. past. Fuji was the only one that got to live to be a, an old man. I mean, he was an old man when this match happened. So, yeah. But it's it's definitely a, uh, a stark realization. And that's where I was going with my notes is that it's like, at some point I uh, I had forgotten. I got in. I was into the show and then I, it hit me. Um, what You know, that most everyone in this match is no longer with us or in Lex Luger's case is in a wheelchair. Right. So it's not it's not a positive. Where are they now as far yeah. as the idea? But you still get I mean, is there any more 1995 WWF that your undercard is these four guys, right? Who all could have headlined the show and did for various points for Vince. Doc, how'd you feel about this match? Well, the Allied Power song remix was a fucking banger, and I totally forgot that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, you know, Jim Johnston, I know it, that man deserves his flowers and then some for what he's done for professional wrestling for my childhood. Uh, and I feel like at some point we should. I mean, when we do our, our favorite wrestling theme song episode, that'll really be a tribute to him. And it'll really be to Johnson. We barely know. Honest to God, it will be. Uh, but with that being said, uh, I thought the match was really fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's just because I enjoy watching Yokozuna work. I like, I love watching Owen work. And I will tell you, even though I do not, I'm not a huge fan of the style of Lex Luger and how he yells all the time and gets hit or does really anything, it's, it's fucking annoying. Um, but a motivated British bulldog is a fucking scary, oh, dude. fucking amazing British fucking bulldog. That dude, like, when I was little, I didn't really watch wrestling a ton, like a little bit here and there. Uh, but I knew who the British bulldogs were, and uh, I knew as I got older and got access to like old tapes, and then you know the internet, and you start watching old matches, and like Davy Boy was so fucking good. Like, mm-hmm. he was really, really good. And I think he's a guy who doesn't get a lot of play and a lot of acknowledgement of how talented he was. He's a big dude himself, and he is super fucking agile. Um, but you could tell he was motivated in this match. Like, he was having... Like, I think him working with Yoko and Owen was just fun for him. And you could tell it was fun for him. And you tell Owen was having a lot of fucking fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, as soon as he and, and Davey get in the ring together, Owen and, and Davey, uh, was like it was like smooth. It was like butter. It was yeah, like butter. They just, and, they're, and they're family. Like, they know ah, each other. You fucking just, guys. That arm ringer spot that it was just mm-hmm. like, it was like, God, I forgot Davey Boy can move like that, dude. He, he can when he fucking wants to. <laughs> um, and Yoko, as always, I, at one point, uh, Vince says, uh, Yoko has Yoko has tremendous speed and agility. That's a goddamn understatement. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Yoko Zuna is a, is a fucking terrifying human being. Uh, and that's when he was even getting bigger. Uh, when he was, you know, slimmed down a little bit more a couple years prior, motherfucker was doing shit that he shouldn't have been doing for his yep. size. Um, yeah, it's a really fun match. I I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. So it was a joy to watch. For sure, for sure. Mac, how would you feel about this tag team contest? Well, you know, you, you, you took a little bit of the thunder away from me because that, that point where, you know, Davey Boy and, and Owen are in the ring together and they have that, you know, that the hand lock where they're, they're rolling and they're flipping and they're reversing and they're like, I would just, I don't just watch like, it's so fucking clean. Like, it's just so clean. Perfect. Uh, yeah. it, 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 it really was, you know? And um, again, when you, when you kind of look at Davy boy, where, where you're saying Jones, that he doesn't maybe quite get the recognition he deserves. I think, you know, part of that is, is who he surrounded himself with. You know, and, mm. and that obviously 
when you're when you're with Brett's and and everything else, you're you're not gonna the spotlight's gonna be a little bit less on you. Um, even though the spotlight being with Brett will be also more on you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I've been point. actually doing a lot of, I've been doing a lot of stuff recently watching videos of, of, of Yokozuna and um, the evolution of his character, where he came from, how they came upon, you know, WWE has been doing some vignettes about him recently and I've been seeing it online and uh, how they kind of came up with and how he ran with it and, you know, talking to the members of his family now, you know, that uh, and Rikishi and, and Roman Reigns and, and everybody talking about how, you know, you could have easily with Yokozuna been offended to be just a sumo wrestler, but he's like, we're fucking Samoans. Let's go, mm-hmm. you know, we'll make anything work. And I, I, I have a, a big soft spot in my heart for Yoka. I just, I've, I've always loved watching him. I, I've, I forgot that he only had the belt twice, you know, and they kind of mentioned here that, oh, well, you know, he's a two-time champion. I thought to myself, well, you know, that's kind of unfortunate that we didn't get a little bit more of him considering that Vince likes big wrestlers who seem unstoppable and who's fucking more unstoppable outside of the giant than Yokozuna. Yep. Right. I mean, yeah. fuck nobody. Diesel's not picking him up and power bombing him. So <laughs> fuck. Right. Um, you know, it was, it was an interesting match. Um, you know, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice, you know, match in between from what we saw and where we're going. Um, I did start to pick up here a little bit more of the racism uh, from this pay-per-view, which we have not talked about yep. a whole lot here. Um, because I wanted to put this in here. This is the first time that we get referenced to the Spanish announce table yep. during this pay-per-view. I have a note about this yep. joke too. And I yep. know where you're, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to take your thunder here just real quick. Uh, Mr. Jerry, the King Lawler just looks right at it. And I had to, I had to write this down in quotes. I'll ring his taco bell. Yep. In talking about the Spanish announce table, which, you know, for me, a, a an individual who loves Hispanic culture and an individual who loves late night, cheap uh, Mexican fast food restaurants. Very um, ill-placed Jerry. Yeah. No, you did know? not age. Well, I don't think it aged did well not. the minute he said it much no. less. Here we are. <laughs> no. People, no. people in Nashville were just like, ah, that's all you need to know. So, so I have in my notes here, uh, that there are four moments that are comedic intended to be two of them are intended to be comedic, uh, but they all go wrong. So the, so the heels come out with Fuji and Cornette. So you're like, yes. But then the baby faces, the allied pa- powers come out with an army of little boys. So they just came carrying flags, a, a locker room with a bunch of little boys, which is insert your context there because that's going to go well. And then Jerry Lawler makes a racist joke about Taco Bell. And then Jerry Lawler makes a racist joke about the Jeffersons. Yep. And, and then Jerry Lawler makes a sexist, ageist joke about Helen Hart. Like, in a row. <laughs> was was this, and I, I, I probably should have taken a better note here, was this the match where Vince's mic goes out and Lawler mm-hmm. had to, which match was that? It's the previous match. It's the previous sure. match. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was that was going on. As I'm I'm pretty sure at this point Vince is like, listen, if they don't fucking do business, like his mic goes out. Like if they don't do business, you send Doc Andrews back there to just start jacking it. 
and cover our asses. <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, God, guys, uh, there's there's three incredible workers in this match. Three incredible workers, two incredible managers, and Lex Luger in this match. And I fucking in and it shows this match is like in the dead spot. This match is in the dead spot and it's still fucking good because it's got a, it's following the best match on the show. And it's before the main event, which has almost every other person in the company in the match. And they still fucking manage it. Yoko was so good. Not even for his size. I mean, his fucking lineage. Yoko was so good. Owen Hart is so good. It's fucking criminal. You know, just just and, and Owen Hart is like if Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett doesn't do anything wrong, but you're going to pick out what, besides a dropkick, what does Jeff Jarrett do that you fucking love, right? He doesn't do anything wrong, but you can't remember. But Owen Hart is Jeff Jarrett, but you can pick out the things, you know, like those those spots. Like, that's how crisp and excellent he is. Um, underrated, underrated all, and despite the fact that everyone since his passing has never stopped lauding over Owen, he's still going to be underrated because he was so fucking good. And him and Davey, just when they get the chance to touch in this match, it's excellent. And even Lex Luger does well for his role as the... Oh, uh, you know. No, please. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I, was, I wasn't quite sure what the dichotomy of, of that tag team is because Lex Luger's whole gimmick is he's a power guy. But when you're standing in the ring next to the British Bulldog, you look like the smaller guy. It doesn't matter who the fuck you are. So how can you be the power guy in the tag team with the British Bulldog, who's also, by the way, the fast one of the tag team and who's also the better one of the tag team. So it's like, <laughs> I, I don't understand. But I also have it in my note. I have it here about four times. It's like to read it verbatim for a second. Uh, fuck Lex Luger. <laughs> um, props, though, to watching the two of them lift Yoka. Oh, that back suplex was badass. Yeah. It was. I thought for, I'm like, wait a minute, did they did they take the belts here? Because that could that should have been a finish. It should have. Yeah. And but I, it, it 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 was not. <laughs> no, what I no, I, I don't ever try to saw armchair book, but the way the finish goes is there's that back suplex, Lex goes for the cover, Owen comes off of the axe handle, gets it, then they shit cam him and Bulldog to the outside, and then uh Yoko eventually hits the, the you know the leg drop for the finish, right? Uh, what I would have done is just one slight little alteration. I know this is weird for us to do this here, but I would have had Lex anticipate the Owen come off the top. That's why he stops pinning him, right? He comes up, Owen lands on Yoko, or he does the gut punch. Bulldog shit cans Owen, and while Lex is distracted, that's when Yoko fucking drops it, right? And that makes the baby faces look even better that they didn't, that an axe handle to the back of the head doesn't beat you in 1995. Uh, and you still get the heels, but I do love the tension between Oko, Yoko and Owen that we get. Yeah, that mm -hmm. you're about to turn Yokozuna of all fucking things, baby face, and the only people you can do it against can make it right are Owen Hart and Jim Cornette, and they're gonna do it, and it's gonna it's gonna go well. Every every time you say Jim Cornette's name, Mark Madden is just infinitely more furious. You know, <laughs> I would say, and I and I say this as disrespectfully as I possibly can. But respectfully considering both of their contributions to the wrestling business, one way more than other, and the other that isn't is a fucking DJ that plays a heel on Pittsburgh radio. Uh, I would say fuck both of those guys for the shit that comes out of their mouth here in 2022 all the time. Fuck them and their stupid faces. Respectfully. Respectfully.
Respectfully. respectfully. It's always respectfully. Yeah, <laughs> it's respectfully. always respectfully. Yeah. Respectfully. I hope that they cool, pull, uh, respectfully, I hope that they find themselves pulling into a parking spot at a gas station and they have to piss. And then some guy in a, in a little dick giant truck with a lift kit pulls way too close to their driver's side it door. Definitely like, has truck nuts. Yeah. So they definitely can't open the door without banging into this guy's truck. And so they have to piss and they're just waiting for this guy to come out of the gas station so they can go in there. And they suffer just a little bit. That's what I hope for for both of them. But one more than the other. The one being the shitty Pittsburgh DJ who decides that playing a heel on the radio in 2022 is at all a fucking good idea. Like a fucking mark. Anyway, moving on. I rate this match three fuck you Lex Lugers out of five. So uh, No, you're you're reminding me of Talladega Nights where... (laughs) where Ricky Bobby just keeps saying to his owner with all due respect. And he's with like, you can't, just, you can't just say whatever you want to say after I with sure all due respect. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with their hands. But uh, I think this is the match also that they realized that they had given so many matches before so much time because Vince starts saying, we're going to stick with the action no matter what happens here tonight. He's like, wait a minute, Vince, this is your pay-per-view. Are you, mm-hmm. are you worried? Are you, are you worried that you can't trust Kevin Nash? <laughs> his time well, in the main event because Charles Michaels is involved. Is that see, what, what you don't realize, Noah, is that Vince McMahon, being the fucking genius futurist that he is, realized that 25, 27 years later, this is going to show on Peacock, and this is the point where they're going to insert a fucking commercial yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on their own. <laughs> he, was just, he was just playing it for that angle. He, he knew just, it long. He just knew. He played that real long game. That long-term booking. Yeah. Well, all right. So we get before to the fucking uh, end of this show, we get one more, which I have to say is a terrible fucking promo from Diesel. It is. He just like without Shawn Michaels there and they've shown him four times. He's like, ah, I'm going to do something to you. Sid. I'm going to say the same thing Sid said in his earlier promo. But yeah, Diesel power. And then he walks out. It's like, what the fuck? Kevin Nash is a charismatic man and is a big, tall dude. And how dare you put him in this position? How dare you? <laughs> but it's time uh, for the main event. You're, you're, you you missed, Noah, uh, the WWE hotline. Oh, yeah. Which, the, which, the is, being, oh, which is being God. promoted here because we had that clip right beforehand where Sean yeah, was on the was phone. on the fucking yeah, hotline. all over the phone. And you know, he's like, he's like, he's in there. I'm going to pull the microphone. He's like, yeah. And then I beat Jeff Jarrett. And on the other end of the line, Vince is like, yeah. Yeah, how'd you do it? And then I then I hit him with the sweet chin music. Yeah, did you hit him right on the chin? Did you drag it across his chin? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I mean, it was a 900 number, so. It was, yeah. That's right. Kids. What you pay for. Kids, get your parents' permission before you call and hear hear that. <laughs> just, just, hear, just hear Vince get, just hear Sean get Vince right before the moment of completion. And then it just oh hangs God. up. Yeah. I'm gonna, he's gotta, he's gotta click. Dollar <laughs> forty nine. Charge so, it. Fun fact about our main event. It is the first lumberjack match that ever made it on the WWF pay-per-view, despite the gimmick being around since the existence of wrestling. So interesting in the main event. And lumberjacks, I have an opinion about all lumberjack matches, is that they are uh lumberjacks are all one of two things. They're either fucking distracting because they're more busy than the ring action inside the ring or they're fucking useless because they're just standing around waiting for the action in the ring to get to them. And there has never really been a kayfabe 
reason that lumberjacks are necessary that a steel cage wouldn't be cheaper and less chance of a, of a steroid overdose. So here we are. Well, lumberjack match for the WWE championship. In 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 the lumberjack matches defense, um, half of the lumberjacks were lumberjacking backstage well <laughs> before they got out there, so they were probably pretty drained at that point and were going through the motions. The new T-shirt, oh, nothing good. Lumberjacking it. Squand. At least put At least put that on a put that at least on a coffee mug or a beer stein. But Jafar, tell us, how did you feel about our main event WWF championship match? Yeah, I've I've never been a huge fan of lumberjack matches. Uh, I think having all the lumberjacks out there is sort of pointless. I mean, I know what they're trying to do, you know, half our heels, half our baby face and who's on whose side. And even one of the earlier promos, there's like they're like, who's the inside man, which had zero payoff. <laughs> they were like building yeah, that up and then, right. they then they didn't do anything with it. Um, who did who did Ted who'd they pay off? Yeah. Who did the million dollar no corporation yeah. pay off? And yeah. the answer was nobody. The nobody. whole thing is a misunderstanding yeah. because where typically they were looking <laughs> for an inside man, they were actually referring to the promo where they were inside a man. Oh, <laughs> oh that makes more sense. <laughs> David Yoss is like, I was trying yeah. to tell you. Yeah, but Dude, but for, <laughs> It just happens to be that Bart Gunn's price is really, really low. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It really is. Because I saw that. I saw that dude get in the ring with Butterbean. This <laughs> oh. is not high at all. No, it's really not. <laughs> He's the Nick Cage of professional wrestlers. There's nothing's bad. So, but anyways, far, it was a. Uh, it was a pretty lackluster main event. Um, one thing I noted was it's, and maybe it's because of the size of those two guys, but the ring seemed very small <laughs> in this match. Um, and there were no highlights really at all. Um, mm. You know, there, the match itself there, it wasn't like, Oh shit, this was a great match. Um, neither one of the guys really shined. Uh, the, the lumberjacks were pretty much useless uh, regardless of if someone ran out or if they got tossed out, um, it was just very lackluster start to finish. Um, and it, it seemed like the celebration after the match was longer than the actual match, uh, with diesel and Shawn Michaels and their whole faction. But, uh, yeah, for me, it, it just didn't do for me overall. I understand with you doc main event. What's your thoughts? Oh. Uh, well, you know, first and foremost, Sid is, I've always felt this way and, and I will always feel this way. Sid is fucking money. Uh, dude has just the most incredible fucking look. Oh yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate that well, although he's been champion and he's had a, a, a great success throughout his entire career, really, which has spanned many, 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 many years, 10, 10 plus years. Uh, it's unfortunate that I don't think Sid had ever reached the heights that he could have reached realistically um uh, but nevertheless <clears throat> which is interesting i'm sorry to interrupt you which is yeah. interesting because he's main evented wrestlemania as the wwf champion mm -hmm. and main evented wrestlemania against hulk hogan but yeah you always yeah. feel like he never got to the heights that he was supposed to get to no we don't talk about that fucking match and that's mm -hmm. just fucking terrible uh but that's sort of the thing he's money 
but he's not that great in the ring. Mm-hmm. His look is you, you. He's the prototypical wrestler. Like he is a look at he looks like he belongs in another part of like humanity's history with the fucking you know sword and shield or something. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think but, his his look and his character are bigger than his athletic ability. Absolutely, and the problem here is. He's paired with Kevin Nash, with Diesel, who's only had a few years of professional wrestling experience by this point. Not nearly enough to be seasoned to carry, not carry, to help Sid through it. You know, because mm-hmm. Sid's had some great matches. I've seen Sid have, fan, but with specific people. Yeah. Uh, Sid's not a guy who can work with anybody, and much less a guy like Diesel, who also needs help uh, yeah. in carrying a good match. Uh, you know, the, the 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 diesel plancha was pretty fucking impressive considering sure. how big he is. It was ugly, but it was impressive. Uh, but my the only notes that I wrote, like, really. Um, so walk me through this. Pretend I'm five and I don't understand wrestling logic. OK, which sounds funny in itself. So diesel gets his ass whipped by like 10 guys for several minutes on the outside. Right. I mean, he just gets. He gets the boots put to him a few times for several minutes, okay? Later on in the match, a beat-up Diesel gets powerbombed by Sid. Sid pins him. Nash kicks out. Oh, shit. Well, I wonder why, because you powerbombed him and then went on a high-five the ten fucking guys who just beat his ass. But okay. So you pin him. He kicks out. You're like, you're shook. You go for it again, you fucking fail, and as opposed to just going back to putting the boots to him, you go outside and fight the guys on the outside of the... No. What? And then, and then, to top it all off, you get back in the ring, and you get a boot for the finish. Yeah. Are you shitting yeah. me? Yeah, what a weak finish. It's what a shit finish. What the fuck was that? And they, they fucked up the boots. The boot it hits him, a glancing blow to the shoulder is the finish that's supposed to beat this monster heel. This monster heel. Yeah. Fuck. That match was fucking terrible. <laughs> that match was terrible. It didn't make any sense. There was no logic to it. Uh, and the finish was just, it was a head scratcher. So it got zero stars from me. Mac. You know, Jones, he hit the nail right on the head as usual, sir. Um, I had that very same note. Um, Sid, just for whatever reason, is going to leave the ring and attack the Lumberjacks when he has an opportunity of finishing the match. He's like, you know what? Fuck this. I have to go and do this. It's like he blacked out and just got drawn <laughs> over. Like it was like a fucking moth to the flame. He's like, what? You're, oh, fuck you. And just goes for it. Um, I, I thought the, I had that same note too about the finish being just kind of like, the fuck? Really? Like that's the finish we're going to get? Uh, okay. Um, I, 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 my note here. So a couple of notes I had on this one was, well, first off, triple H is uh, one of our lumberjacks Yeah. and, and very, you know, early triple H, you know, the, 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 the gimmick that he had, the equestrian triple H. Yes. The, the bureaucratic, you know, pretty debut, you know, elite, that whole thing. Right. Uh, so, Hey, Good to see you, Triple H. In 25 years, you're running this shit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Was my my note there. Um, This was, to me, this is, this is the, this was a classic Vince McMahon main event. 
I've got a really big guy over here and I got a really big guy over here and I'm going to put the two big guys together because it's going to be big. And it just wasn't, you know, when you have a gimmick match and, and like you guys had said earlier too, you know, if you have this as a steel cage match, it makes more sense um, because it gives the wrestlers an opportunity. If you're going to have the lumberjacks there, you've got to build something about the match around them being there. Mm -hmm. There's got to be a reason for them to be there. They have to have a, a role to play. And you'd think we had it, right? Diesel is outside of the ring getting the shit beat out of them, which I also felt was more along the lines of, hey, we have a lot of people here. Let's not step on him. So let's keep the camera here just to make sure we have a little safe zone so he doesn't really get hurt. Um, but that didn't really seem to play mm -hmm. into anything of the match whatsoever. There's no payoff for it. So as soon as you don't have that, then the whole premise of the match doesn't make sense. And I think you lose the audience. Um, and, and, and then you're going to have these two guys. And we see this all the time, even today. It's, this is a tale as old as time with WWE. When you put two big guys together, it's going to be a short match. It's not going to have the payoff. You're not really going to get a whole lot of really good wrestling either. And, you know, to your point too, Noah, um, with, with Sid, I was afraid of him as a kid, oh, yeah. like, le like legitimately, like that dude scared me. If I was walking down an alley and I saw Sid just kind of like fucking standing there, I would feel pretty good because I could probably run in the other direction. I don't think he'd catch me. But like, <laughs> I'll zig and zag and he'll completely get lost. Or I'll just throw something <laughs> over there like a fucking T-Rex and he'll just he'll go. Well, if you don't move, don't he'll worry. lose you. Yeah. yeah. I'll just throw something over that way and fucking the T-Rex will look and I'll just run the other direction. I'm pretty safe. But like, uh, as the character he was, I was unnerved by him, you know, mm -hmm. as, as, as a young, as a young man and as a kid and everything. Right. So, um, this match had just very little payoff to me. I, I just, cause was sitting there like, well, why? Like, this is your main event. And this was maybe the fourth most interesting match on the card. And mainly because of the gimmick of it, not even because of the match itself. So um, very little payoff to, for me, you know, stop gap, obviously, because they were going to push um what was going to happen at at uh, SummerSlam and everything. And mm -hmm. that was not, I mean, if you're going to have them really go at each other, there's you're, you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot for your main event at WrestleMania at, at uh, SummerSlam. So, I mean, it's like, all right, well, let's just go through this and then we'll, we'll let Sid do something else after. So um, yeah, very uninspired match, but I said, this was a very Vince match. I, I, I immediately kind of went back to some of the, you know, to this year's Royal Rumble that we that that we watched and and like, well, this is Vince doing more Vince things. Cool. And so, Vince. yeah, Vince, Vince is going to Vince. where WCW is going to WCW. Vince will Vince. The difference is one is still functional and the other one is WCW. So, um, yeah, that's my thought. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I echo a lot of the sentiments that you guys do. Um, there's a couple of notes I have mostly. We all we all know how about the quality of the matches and how absolutely shit the finish is. I guess Sid just didn't feel like taking the power bomb today. Uh, yeah. And I also wouldn't put it past Kevin Nash to not feel like 
giving the power bomb. Kevin Nash to me is like the kind of person, and I say this as respectfully because I do like Kevin Nash a lot, and, and I'm a big fan of Kevin Nash matches. But if you're like, uh, oh, because if you came up to Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart or Steve Austin or a lot of people like, hey, the pay per view is running long, so we're gonna cut your match down from 25 minutes to 15 minutes, they'd be like, God damn it, and they'd be pissed about it. They'd be pissed about it for days. Kevin Nash would be like, ah, oh, shit. If anyone was looking, he'd be like, oh, fuck, sweet. Less, <laughs> less time in there for me. I'm still getting paid the same amount, right? Cool. Whatever. I'm not fucking doing anything else. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, that's exactly so what when, 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 when Sid comes up to him and it's like, listen, I don't want to take the power bomb. Can you just raise your leg and I'll run into it? And Nash is like, oh, that sucks. Can't believe him. I'm like, fuck, yeah, that's fine with me. And it doesn't make me look bad. Uh, I I could barely kick you and you go down. I'm still gonna be in tomorrow. Look, Fuck you. Whatever you want to do, Sid. I, I I have I have in my life and and even to this day, there are people that I work with that the path of least resistance is the path they will always go down. So as you kind of said that about Kevin Nash, I'm like, well, fuck yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's just let's just let's just get it. Let's collect our paychecks and, and move on. Yeah, and you don't have to work with Sid. You can go outside, have to Tonka stomp you a bunch of times. Uh, Nash did bump for, for Mabel outside of the ring, and those are some hard bumps too sure. on the floor. Like he didn't, he didn't. There's no way to sugarcoat those things. So that that was his bumps were to someone who's not Sid because he's got to draw money with Mabel presumably next month. Spoiler alert: it wouldn't. But uh, so the other notes I have to say is that one, there's a sign that pops up half a bunch of times through this match where people have, which is supposed to be Sid. But because of the shadows and how the angle that they're holding up the eye, it looks like a sign that just says STD. And it keeps <laughs> popping up over the Lumberjacks during every fucking wide shot. It's in, it's incredible. So, yeah, this is the STD badge to me. And, yeah, the Lumberjacks are useless. And I was wondering why they were there. And then I actually stopped halfway through and rewound to the beginning of the match or clicked the back 10 seconds button enough times until it happened. And I realized the whole reason that this is a lumberjack instead of a steel cage match, because that would make a lot of sense, was A, to make sure that you could have a little heat go on the Mabel and Diesel, but mostly because this was one last opportunity that Vince McMahon had to make this match about Shawn Michaels. Shawn doesn't come out with a lumberjack. He doesn't come out. He comes out next to the champion to the point where the camera is centered on Shawn Michaels during Diesel's entrance. Shawn has the two big high spots in the match, jumping into the the lumberjacks. You make sure Shawn Michaels is in camera and frame every chance you get. And when the baby faces are all pounding on the ring, you don't see Shawn Michaels because he's too busy looking cool, talking to the chicks in the front row. And then he shows up for a spot. So this the whole reason this is here is one more chance for Vince to slowly stroke himself underneath the announce desk while Shawn Michaels is filling up his monitor and then also while he's on his TV screen as well. You know, Noah, I, I was wondering why the very last shot of the pay-per-view was Vince sitting there with the top buttons of his thing unbuttoned, his Texas, <laughs> his his southern like necktie and just, smoke, and just fucking taking a drag from a cigarette. Now it totally makes sense. He needed Sean to finish. Yes, yes. <laughs> He, uh, he, he at least he's courteous that way. He won't kill you, do right? And that's that's Vince McMahon. He wouldn't do anything. He, he wouldn't ask you to do anything he wouldn't do, including that. But it's a shit finish. Um, I rated it a half of a Kevin Nash hair flip out of five. So very, <laughs> very, very low. But ultimately, that's it. It's in your house, too. They would move on to SummerSlam in Pittsburgh. The only thing of note is that uh, uh, from that show, which I hope we never actually have to cover, is that it's the rematch of the classic ladder match between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon, yeah. the Intercontinental titles. 
and they continue to who can we put Sean over? Razor's just putting everybody over in the company. No wonder why he was upset enough to leave for WCW money uh, in just nine months after this. And then uh, it's Diesel versus Mabel, in which is an utterly shit match and an utterly shit main event that does see Kevin Nash win by hitting a diving elbow drop off the top rope, which is actually worth Googling because it does, it does look good. But trust me, you'll catch all of that you need from this pay-per-view is on there. And I say that respectfully, knowing that Bret Hart actually wrestles on this show coming up. So, which leads me to my question, guys, did you all find yourself wondering why the fuck you couldn't put Bret Hart on this show somewhere? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, that's just... right. Go, Go ahead, Jeff. Jeff. Sorry. No, God. No, I was going to say, it was such a huge miss on Vince's part to not have Bret Hart on the card. I mean, when you have Bret Hart in your business, you fucking put the guy on TV. Yeah. It's a huge miss for the show that we didn't get to talk about Bret Hart in a Bret Hart match. Because it's it would be it would have been perfect. Of course, the show would take that from me. That he's in the show. That he would come out <laughs> after this lumberjack match for the live people in fucking Nashville in July of nineteen ninety five. But we don't get to have that shit. So, well, not just that, but Undertaker. You know, I Undertaker mean, you've got you've got two you've got two aces in your deck of cards that you're not oh, even yeah. playing in this in this pay per view right now. I, I get yeah. it; it's two hour pay per view and. You know, in some cases, I'm very happy it was just a two hour pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm sitting there and, and I had done some research on this, too. And they had talked about the dark match with Brett and they talked about the match with Undertaker. I'm like, why am I not seeing these? Yeah. Like, no offense to Bam Bam and uh, his riveting match against the let me just make sure I get the nickname right here. Um, the Hog Farmer. H.O.G. Henry O. Godwin. Exactly. Right. But like, I mean, how, you, you, when you're when your business is where it is and the competition's ramping up and you've got these two guys I mean, you got to you got to use them. And uh, I was very disappointed that I didn't get a chance to to really see them work. But, you know. Yeah. And it, it wasn't just an Undertaker match. It was a fucking casket match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like why? Like why go through the the work of actually having a casket match if nobody's going to see it? Except well, for the audience, you know, it maybe Jeff, it was because we did not want the viewing audience to know that the casket match was going to be just that much better than the lumberjack match. And we didn't want to, we didn't want to send them disappointed, even though they were already sent home disappointed from the finish of that, yeah. that main event. Yeah. And hopefully they all got a free cassette as they were leaving out the door. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that, that wraps it up. Uh, Stick with us, guys, as we um, as we keep going here uh, with nothing good. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Um, before we cut to no, I, I tried to mention this earlier, and I probably forgot, and it's bad promotion on my end. But uh, we have a very special surprise coming up here in just a few moments at the end of the a special treat from us to you, the listeners. But before we do, Jafar, why don't you tell us what we can anticipate coming up next here on yep. Nothing Good? Yeah, next week is uh, our next movies episode, uh, and we're going to be going through a little film called Clerks from Kevin Smith, Man. classic film. It came out right around the time of this pay per view. Yep, Jeff, are you are, are you are you prepared for this? Yeah, I I wore sweatpants, so I have extra room. All right, just Beautiful. making sure. Yeah, just making sure. <laughs> Beautiful. We'll discuss this film, how it influenced independent film 
forever after the release of this movie, how it launched so many careers and so many moments and changed so much. We'll get that going on. Um, but gentlemen, are you now prepared for this very special surprise? As yes. prepared as we will ever be. Usually, uh, Noah, when you ask me if I'm prepared for your very special surprise, I'm handcuffed and blindfolded. So yeah. I'm I'm a little bit taken aback <laughs> as to why I'm not right now. Well, that's OK, because uh, this is one I'm not just giving to you. I'm giving to all of the world of uh. humanity. You see, when Nick, our wonderful fan, suggested this uh, wonderful, wonderful event, uh, my brain clicked that the only thing that I remember from this show was the performance of With My Baby Tonight and the pay-per-view in the match that would follow. And so the wheels began spinning. And so normally we would do my shitty outro where I would play something that tells you to go to the website and give us your money, but we're not doing that because right here tonight as the special way to conclude this episode in the spirit of Jeff Jarrett's With My Baby Tonight, may I present to you nothing good with Sega Channel tonight. Check it out, and we'll see you later. Spend my days talking to Herb Jones, but he just won't listen, cause he's good to go. Cause he can't wait to have sex with Sega Channel tonight. You know it's got him wrapped around his coaxial connector Cause he's gonna tear it up like he was Hannibal Lecter Cause he can't wait to have sex with Sega Channel tonight He'll make the games load by using his love You know it's true, he just can't get enough Thinking about Sega Channel makes him bust a nut He can't wait to have sex with Sega Channel tonight Sex with Sega Channel tonight In Arby's dumpster, he will take it from behind. Only in your own he doesn't think there's anything better than pounding Sega Channel with a beef and cheddar. He can't wait to have sex with Sega Channel tonight. When the Sega Channel craps on his chest Doc Secret wants it, but he's not for begging But if it'll seal the deal, then he's down for pegging Doc can't wait to have sex with Sega Channel tonight Oh, Doc can't wait to have sex with Sega Channel tonight <laughs> Now don't forget, folks, that. D-O-C-F-U-C-K-S-E-G-A-C-H-A-N-N-E-L. Second two.